0: Hello and welcome to a very special bonus episode of Into the Aether. It's a low-key video game podcast. My name is Brendan Bigley. I'm Stephen Hooker. Today we are here. We've gathered here around <laughs> the big telescope to look at all of the stars. That's right. In in Mario's lineage. Uh, that's right. It's Super Mario All Stars for the Super Nintendo. Uh, this is our big bonus episode for the month. Just to clarify how these episodes work, I guess because uh, we've had an, a lot of new listeners recently. But every month we do one bonus episode that's usually focused on like a, an idea or usually a game, just one game. In this case, All stars is a collection of games. Uh, and and we've been like tossing around the idea of doing like a like a 2D Mario experience for a long time because we did we did a 3D All stars. Bonus way back when when that was on sale for about 18 minutes yeah uh, <laughs> we gave but- it we gave the bonus to the cash grab we might as well
1: give it to the good one you know like- <laughs> <laughs> that's a good point yeah i mean that was a really like the elephant in the room here is that like you know we've been doing this show for almost five years i've become increasingly comfortable and confident in exploring Games as a medium and speaking about them critically and sharing my own experience and Mario whenever Mario comes up, it's like I'm a deer in the headlights. Like I'm like, what on (laughs) earth can I possibly say? about mm-hmm. water like what can right. what, what can i say about such a known commodity our angle with the 3d all stars episode was basically to have our friends and family on and all games we have a personal experience with but i think something about mario usually is connected to sort of like a social element or like growing up or childhood you yeah. know Um, At least for people around our age and for those games. And
0: Mario in particular is such a universal experience for everybody, right? Like I feel like Mario is on the level of like a Mickey Mouse in terms of fame, Right. I feel like everybody at some point has played a Mario game. It's like as universal an experience as you can get in the video game world, I think, is that like people know who Mario is.
1: Yeah. So and I so this this episode, I think we thought of and what's kind of ironic is, you know, we we just recently. So last month's bonus was Ocarina of Time. And around that same time, we recorded our big 3DS episode for patrons. Mm -hmm. I'm really happy with how both of those episodes came out but they were so demanding just in terms of like <laughs> the recording process and the preparation. And I think you and I were like, let's give ourselves something kind of lighter for next month. That's a little bit, you know, it'll be more lighthearted, kind of easier to prepare for. But when I'm actually faced with like critically analyzing Mario All-Stars, it, it does feel daunting, even though yeah. it's supposed to be like a fun one.
0: Totally. Yeah. I, yeah. It really just stemmed from like, well, Brendan, you're already playing Mario. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Might, might as well do a bonus about it. And, uh, yeah, I, it's been an interesting experience replaying all of these games for this episode because I feel like usually I'll like boot up at one of the many games that's in this collection and just kind of like, you know, chomp at it for like 15 to 20 minutes and be like, wow, I got my little fix of Mario and now I'm going to move on to the other game that I was planning on playing initially uh but it's been a really long time since i've like fully sat down and said i'm gonna play through the games in super mario all-stars yeah me too i think the last time i did it was in high school which is maybe a good way to kind of lead into the history with all-stars at least for us i i initially we should also mention we're talking about super mario world as well which initially was not part of the super mario all-stars package but later on in the super nintendo's life cycle uh got packaged in if you bought a super nintendo you got all-stars plus Super Mario World, which is pretty cool. But that was the version that I played way back when because I, I didn't have a Nintendo system growing up. I was, as I mentioned many times on the show, a Sega Genesis kid. And my only real experience with Mario stuff was via like going to friends' houses. Like Specifically, two instances of my life really stand out to me. Number one is that my babysitters who lived across the street from me had an nes uh and that was the first time i ever played mario it was like wow. they were babysitting me but needed to go across the street to grab something and i imagine they were just like talking on the phone with somebody if i'm being totally honest i think they just like crossed the street and they were like would it would be much easier to watch this kid at our house than at their house <laughs> uh, and uh just like called some people on the phone and they sat me down in front of an nes um it was two sisters that babysat me which was really funny but anyway uh they sat me down in front of an nes they were like here you go and uh i played mario for the first time like i that's i I have such a vague memory of it. That's really all I know is that I sat down and played Mario. I couldn't even tell you which one. I imagine it was the original. Following that, years later, my dad, who traveled a lot for work, at one point needed to go to Puerto Rico to do something I don't know what and uh, took me with him and I went with him and it was kind of like an Airbnb situation where we were like staying in somebody's house while they were away and they had a Super Nintendo and that was the first time I ever played Super Mario World I didn't even know what it was I didn't even know it existed I was like oh I know who Mario is but I, I don't, I've never heard of this game you know because at that age you're just like totally disconnected from what's actually happening in the world so I was <laughs> just like again sat in front of a TV be like hey entertain yourself and here's this video game and uh all I really remember 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 about it is that I found and accessed the star world at some, at some point. Like, I, I must have found one of the exits that led me to the Star World. And I was like, this is the greatest video game I've ever played in my life.
1: What a truly magical experience to have at a formative age. Just yeah. like temporarily stumbling into the most secret area of the game on a trip. Like yes. There's so many levels of fantasy there.
0: Yeah. And I was I was only there for like a couple of days and then I left. You yeah. know, so I just like left that game behind forever. But it wasn't until years later when I started to have this realization that I had missed out on like a really formative Part of the medium in general, like just video games as a concept. Yeah. By not playing Nintendo stuff during the the era where they were dominant, or at least like pseudo dominant, you know it, the the console wars, the original console wars as, <laughs> as they were referred to. I I was missing out on context and foundation that I needed to better understand video games. So I remember this one summer in high school. I think I, I'm gonna say it was sophomore year of high school was the first time I downloaded any emulators for myself and got a super nintendo emulator and super mario all-stars plus super mario world and uh i endeavored to play the whole thing in the summer which was the first time i came into contact with super mario brothers 2 the lost levels, which is what took the entire summer to beat, because uh, I I refused to use like save states or anything. At that yeah. age, I was like, you know, I don't know, I, I just needed to prove to myself that I could do it, I guess. Um, so I really was like, I'm gonna I'm gonna beat this game, uh, and it took you know forever because I, I I wasn't just doing that. Just to be clear, I wasn't just sitting inside for an entire summer playing Super Mario <laughs> All Stars. But it it became like a weird mythic thing amongst my friend group at the time. You know, every time I'd see them, they'd be like, "Where are you at?" You know, I'd be like, "I'm <laughs> still." St- Still in World Three, you know, like it would just be a topic of conversation. It was like, is Brendan ever going to beat Lost Levels? And uh you know, I eventually did. But that was my first time playing All Stars, uh, and it, and it allowed me. And I'm so grateful that All Stars exists uh, because it allowed me to to have access to all of these games that I had missed out on, and uh now love. That's amazing. I didn't realize it was that much later. I mean, we, we talked a bit. Like I knew you didn't have
1: Nintendo growing up, but I didn't realize that this was like a high school experience.
0: Yeah, I had um, Super Mario Brothers Deluxe. Oh, okay, and and I'll get into some. Of the Game Boy Advance stuff, also because Super Mario Advance was also pretty formative for me, but it it was really the All Stars collection where I like my brain had switched on and I was like thinking about art at all, you know. Yeah,
1: your summer to the Lost Levels reminds me. I don't know if I ever shared this, I must have because it's about Kingdom Hearts 2, which we've talked about (laughs) a lot, but I I just was thinking, like, what is what were like my high school summer games? Like, every now and then Mm -hmm. there's a game that takes over your summer when you're that age, and uh, I distinctly remember one summer where during the day like you know get up at 7 and then come back home at 5 I worked at a day camp as a counselor and then at night I had musical rehearsal for like a summer play I was in so I basically had like two hours of free time every day Mm -hmm. Uh, and I just like instinctively went and played Kingdom Hearts 2, yeah. which like weirdly is the perfect summer game. Cause it's all about like, you know, this weird fleeting time with your friends. Yes. That's like seemingly meaningless. Um, yeah, it's
0: going to end because you might be a clone.
1: Yeah, <laughs> they kept telling me that on musical rehearsal. They're like, stay <laughs> in tune, stay in line. Are you a clone or what? <laughs> Where's the real Steven? This is stexvin Um... <laughs> Well, I don't actually know if I've really shared, like, in some ways, I think I had the opposite experience with with Mario and Nintendo. Puerto Rico came to you. Yeah, (laughs) exactly. (laughs) See, I mean, for me, like, I I was born in 1990, and when I entered this life, my family already had an NES. What's so funny though, is that like, technically that was our first system, though it was, it was my sister's. But like, you know, it was there It was there when I was a kid, but I remember like my first memories of early childhood, we we eventually got a Super Nintendo when I was like three. And even in 93, I saw the NES as like this retro archaic thing. Like the, <laughs> the jump was so big at that time and technology yeah. was moving so quickly that even even at 3 I was like what is this like VHS bullshit like what you know <laughs> so but I remember like uh, I still played like we still played a lot I remember on the NES I had the Duck Hunt Super Mario Brothers combo pack mm-hmm. which was amazing so I I can't with confidence maybe my family can tell me for for sure but I can't really say i know what what the first game i played was and there's a pretty wide scale of quality here because on the nes i had super mario brothers and duck hunt on one cartridge which is great best case scenario (laughs) then i had wrecking crew which was like kind of the like disney straight to video sequel mario like still fun (laughs) but like Who's kidding who? It was Mario and Luigi, like their day job uh, as construction workers. You had to break all the walls while eggplant men chased you. And there was like a weird... Trial run prototype Wario named Foreman Spike. Oh,
0: right. It feel it feels almost like uh, somebody asked what would happen if they made a 16 bit sequel to Game and Watch.
1: Yeah, it, it's very arcadey in that way. What what's interesting though is you could make your own level in Wrecking and Crew, and I remember doing that at a really young age. I, oh, I named it cool. Impossible with all caps, and it was just like all eggplant.
0: <laughs> <laughs> that <laughs> rules.
1: So Wrecking Crew, knowing. Uh, who I am now, there's a pretty good chance Wrecking Crew was my first game. Uh, (laughs) The other one was Disneyland. Uh, Sorry, Waltz. Sorry, all disclaimers. Disneyland made by Capcom. And that was a very bizarre game where you played as a cowboy who explored a strange recreation of Disneyland where all the big Disneyland rides were little mini games. So like yeah. Space Mountain was like an Asteroids game. The best ones were Haunted Mansion and Pirates of the Caribbean were both kind of like Castlevania games. Mm. And I remember the the fun fact about that game and what gave that game an air of mystery to me and my sister was that the game prompted you to name the cowboy that you played as. But if you didn't name the cowboy, it, it defaulted to naming them Bamboo Seven. And that's just like been <laughs> seared into my head for my whole life. I'm like, Bamboo Seven for Smash. I love Bamboo Seven. I'm like, what name could I possibly think of
0: that's better than Bamboo Seven? Yeah. Super Bamboo Seven All-Stars. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> an alternate history where Disneyland was the biggest game on the NES yeah
1: then I we also had Beetlejuice which was just terrible it was one. Oh of those yeah
0: like, I played that game
1: yeah it was like you stomped on bugs and and you couldn't beat it like there was it just wasn't <laughs> finished uh so in some ways that was I got the full scale of quality there so those are right. the NES games and then Super Nintendo I, I think that was sort of the first system that I have any memory like playing with friends and family and so Super Mario World, I, I think, in some ways, kind of marked the moment where like games transitioned from feeling like toys that were kind of being passed around the room to like, oh, this is a transportive experience. Like, this yeah. is something kind of beyond. Like, I, I don't think I had the vocabulary for that at like age four or whatever. But I do think like thinking about how I felt playing Super Mario World versus really even any other Mario game at the time, distinct difference. Like, I, yeah. I think that was really. I think you could say that was the game that like got me into video games. Like I, I know I've talked about FF7 and Ocarina being like the games that kind of showed me that games could be art and games could have like stories that inspire me the same way other mediums do. But I think Super Mario World is like kind of the beginning of it all. It was like the genesis of my interest in games. Right. And I'm very much not alone. I think that was the case for a lot of people of all ages, really, Um, which is the magical thing about the game.
0: Yeah. And some of the research I did before this episode, um, w- one of the more interesting things I found is that the NES was really considered a toy by most people for a long time yeah it came out either the year after or two years after the cabbage patch kids had come out so everyone (laughs) was like oh we had the cabbage patch kids and that was like a huge craze you know there's a huge toy craze at least in the u.s and now it's being followed up by the nes which is like the next big toy but then it was the best-selling piece of electronic hardware that year and then the year after And then the year after that, and almost again the year after that, uh, and people were like, oh shit, this is like real, real. And then when the Super Nintendo launched with with Super Mario World, and weirdly received like middling reviews in some cases but still was like far and away the best-selling thing that Nintendo had ever done uh that was when as far as I could tell at least in 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 what I looked up uh people were like oh yeah video games are like gonna be here for a while
2: yeah
1: and it's kind of fascinating how like almost every Nintendo series really found its voice on the Super Nintendo Like, there's a lot of great stuff on the NES, but you can really see like every series just like fully crystallized. Yeah. And like, you know, we talked about this on Ocarina, but like, you could argue in some ways that Link to the Past is really like every Zelda game. Like, Mm -hmm. (laughs) every Zelda game after that, other than Breath of the Wild, is like Link to the Past, but X. Right. And I mean, the NES also, like, I don't, I'm not super knowledgeable of this era of game history, but like, from what I remember hearing and, and reading, like, games as an industry were not doing well at all before the nes so in a lot of ways nintendo like kind of saved the industry (laughs) from disappearing
0: yeah yeah people people credit the nes and the first mario brothers specifically with with saving video games
1: yeah Yeah. and i think you can kind of tell i mean one of the things i've been keeping in mind in preparing for this episode and while i've been playing these games is kind of seeing the evolution of mario like in real time in some ways or at least game by game and like A, like what elements are carried forward? Like what is each game focusing on? How do these games compare to like more modern Mario games? Not even in quality, but just like what they're exploring. Mm -hmm. But the other thing that I found that I wasn't really prepared to even look for was just like, what is the intended experience? Because I think you can tell that Super Mario Brothers is coming out at a time where the, the current vocabulary for games is the arcades. You know, like the comparisons obviously to Pac-Man and like getting the star and suddenly being able to eat yeah. the ghosts or run through the mushrooms. Like there's this idea that this game is made to try to get a high score, maybe try to beat, but you're going to like play it, get as far as you feel like and or as far as you can get and then put it down. Which in some ways is still what a game is, but I just think that there's this sort of like expectation that like you're going to try to beat it over time and it's going to be like a score chase type of thing Mm -hmm. whereas like that is not at all super mario world is about you know like there's still lives and there's still like score chasing but it's it's really a different mold entirely yeah um and i'm excited to go into details of what that means
0: yeah yeah i i would say and and i think that's that's an important thing to bring up is like the prevalence of arcades at the time yeah um i would say just based on the, the light research that I did, and I'm talking totally out of my ass here, so just bear with me, uh, Steven, and your listener, but <laughs> I have a weird feeling that the death knell for arcade machines and like arcades is like the most prevalent way of playing video games out in the world was Super Mario Brothers 3. And I kind of can't wait to talk about why that is.
1: At least in the US, uh, like, you know, arcades yeah. in the US, I imagine, but still. Uh,
0: but I, yeah. I Super Mario Brothers 3, when we get to it, just feels to me like a real inflection point for video games, especially... We'll get more into Super Mario Brothers Two and the lost levels and where that came from, but uh, you'll you'll see why I'm tying those two threads together. I'm very uh, excited. But all that said, uh, yeah, I I would say the the tangential history I had with with these games uh, comes in the form of the Super Mario Advance stuff, which is like you know I I at that point had known by the time the Game Boy Advance came out. That, you know, there were all these Mario games that I just hadn't played. I played Super Mario Brothers Deluxe on the Game Boy Color, but nothing after that, really. I didn't know about Yoshi's Island or or Mario 3 or World, really, outside of that, that brief stint in Puerto Rico. And... The Super Mario Advance games like really allowed me to have the experience that I had longed for in that way and uh, really, really grew to love those games. But looking back and I didn't realize this at the time because I wasn't thinking about games in this way. But like, it's so obvious that those are just the Super Mario All-Stars versions ripped out and and thrown on the Game Boy Advance. Um, They added some stuff here and there that was fun. But for the most part, I mean, it's just like, yeah, here's Super Mario All-Stars. And we've broken it up into multiple games instead of giving it to you all in like one cool package.
3: Yeah. Uh,
1: And
0: and we've changed the names and made the numbering weird. uh, So it's even harder to follow
1: them. Yeah. Right. Super Mario Advance was like Yoshi's Island or something.
0: The original Super Mario Advance was Super Mario Brothers 2. Oh, right. Okay. And then I think after that was Super Mario Brothers 3 and then World and then Yoshi's Island. So I guess it followed the trajectory, but they just didn't do it for the first one. They didn't do it for the (laughs) original Super Mario Brothers, which is a weird choice. Yeah,
1: I I remember having Yoshi's Island, and again, going back to our our Game Boy Advance episode, like having Yoshi's Island handheld in the early 2000s was like, oh my God, look at this. Yeah, And it still is really impressive how good it looks. And that's like one of the best, like that game has aged so well visually. Mm -hmm. Yeah, And that that was, I think, like... I think Yoshi's Island was also a big one for me. I mean, that was kind of in that same era, but I just remember like, you know, that, that I think if you count it as, I mean, it's super Mario world 2 Yoshi's Island. So like it is technically the same series, but it's like a fundamentally different game. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I jokingly refer to it as the first strand game. And I'm, <laughs> I'm no longer joking. The more I look into it, you are carrying a baby across <laughs> an open field, avoiding giant blue sea creatures and trying to bring everyone together in a remote and largely natural location
0: wow so episode over (laughs) show over maybe even (laughs) not trying to undermine ds
1: here but i just think yosh's island is secretly i
0: I really feel like into the aether has just been building up to you saying that into a microphone (laughs) that's that's what we (laughs) i feel like i found my life's purpose (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> is that Yoshi's Island is the first strand game? Yeah. Oh my god. This is like my Dragon Quest moment. I just realized like <laughs> Wow, this is awesome. I I led the chosen one to victory. This is uh, this is sick. Yeah. It's all non-lethal. You're anyway, just Anyway, should we take it. a break
3: or what? <laughs> Let's take a break.
0: And uh, I guess we'll start with the very first Super Mario Brothers. Yeah. I can't wait to talk about that. That's going to be normal and <laughs> it's gonna easy. Be
1: normal <laughs> and fun and easy. <laughs> if you do a video game podcast for longer than two years, you you get a letter in the mail saying eventually you have to at least say Super Mario
0: Brothers into a mic. Yeah. So we're doing our part. Yeah. Uh, and it's signed uh, Magaru Shigamoto. <laughs> <laughs> And the ink
1: is purple, so there's obviously a Waluigi <laughs> realm of some kind here.
2: Goodbye. Goodbye.
0: We're back. Talking about... Super Mario Brothers (laughs) for the Nintendo Entertainment System or in Super Mario All Stars for the Super Nintendo. Uh, we didn't even mention this really, but su- the Super Mario All Stars pack is really like the first remake in a lot of ways.
1: The differences are largely cosmetic,
0: so mm. they
1: redid a lot of the backgrounds and the sprites. Yeah. Um, the music is a is a new like composition um, of the original songs. Um, there are some gameplay differences. I feel like it's stuff that unless you're speed running, you wouldn't really notice. Mm. But like, there's some adjustments of like certain frames of things but the more noticeable ones are largely just quality of life improvements so like i believe uh in in super mario brothers the one we're talking about the first one when you die or get a game over you run out of lives it starts you over at that world not the full game, which is what it would
0: normally do in the NES. Right, 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 right. Yeah, which uh, they double down on in lost levels, which is which is nice. We'll talk about that later. But yeah, the the NES. Uh, th- this game came out in 1985, and on the NES, they didn't have any way of like saving games yet really, which I think is, if I had to guess, I did find out that this was true of Mario 3, and I assume this is why there are warp pipes in Mario 1. Like, Mario 3 has the warp whistle specifically as a cost-saving measure, so they didn't have to put the, like, battery in the cartridge so you could save games, and I have to imagine that's why the warp pipes are in this game as well. I I wonder if it was just like, well, if people can't save their progress, and this is like probably the longest game ever made in 1985. If I were to guess, it, it helps have the warp pipes. But I'm just curious, generally speaking, like your relationship with this game, do you play it often? Like, how do you how do you feel about Super Mario Brothers? <laughs> just like holistically? <laughs> What's
1: interesting is like, you know, we we obviously just had our, our intro, where we kind of shared our history with it. I feel like me, Steven, I feel a very personal connection to Mario sixty four and Super Mario World. Mm. Um, those two in particular, especially Mario sixty four, because that was like at a at a slightly older age where I had sort of more of a formative memory of it. Yeah, um, and I remember distinctly, like I remember like playing a three D game for the first time, which makes me sound very old, but like actually having a controller that had multiple directions and I could go in any that that really blew me away. That was like one of my favorite moments of you know playing. Any video game. I remember, I think I've shared this before, but I remember, you know, being 6, getting Mario 64, maybe 7, and like Mario gets out of the pipe and you see this big open courtyard in front of the castle. And I was so excited and I like took a deep breath and pressed forward on the D-pad and he didn't move <laughs> and, I, and I started crying <laughs> uh, and then I realized you had to use the joystick and yeah. you could actually, you know, parkour now. That's what's so amazing about that game is like the way in which Mario can move in each game is kind of amazing. Like starting in Super Mario Brothers and just being like a side scroller where you jump even to the later ones were like the way you can manipulate the cape in Super Mario World when you're like falling down. Mm-hmm is miraculous. And then Super Mario 64, where like it's just any direction sliding and, and bouncing and somersaulting. It's incredible. Yeah. Um, so to answer your question, I, it's it's kind of felt like, <laughs> I mean, it's it's the case that like this game has just always been there. Like it's never really felt like mine. It's never felt yeah. like a game that I was especially good at or even really liked. It just has been such a known commodity. It's kind of like... Honestly, it feels like Superman. It feels just like, it's like, yeah, it's just sort of there. It's just like this known thing mm. that I that I didn't seek out myself, but I know exists. No shade on Super. I eventually did seek out Superman and I have a lot of comics I love, but like <laughs> the memories of playing it, I think what's interesting is that I actually have more early memories of playing the All-Stars version than even the original NES cartridge. Like I remember having that and playing Duck Hunt, but I, I, I actually have more of a like, When I think about all these games, I don't think about the NES versions first. I actually think about the All-Stars versions. Mm. It always kind of takes me by surprise when I see the look or hear the music of the NES originals, because they were just a little bit before, you know, my time playing games.
0: That's interesting. I I have uh, the opposite with this one specifically. Oh, yeah. This one is such a formative game for me, uh, specifically on the Game Boy Color Getting Super Mario Brothers Deluxe, which is just like a really uh, th- that was an amazing game for the game. I-, I know I know our producer AJ is a big fan of, of Super Mario Brothers Deluxe too, so shout out to you AJ. But I just remember playing that game like incessantly, uh, because the idea of like having a Mario game that I could have in the back seat of the car while like my mom is running errands was just absolutely exhilarating to me. But also, I I feel like that game rewards creativity in ways that I didn't really appreciate at the time. But like even the first moment where you realize you can like bust up a block in one, two, you know, while you're underground and like jump up on top of the level and like Mar, you can just see Mario's feet like scurrying alongside where the score and the timer counting down can be like that kind of stuff is so outside of the realm of what anyone was doing on the NES for the most part. You know, like I feel like the contemporary fun factor (laughs) thing that i could link it to almost is castlevania one like whipping a a wall and getting a chicken to come out like that kind of stuff i feel like that's all mario is right like they figured out the jumping they figured out the mushroom and the fire flower and then everything else is just like fun weird shit you can do feels like a playground
1: it does and i think that's kind of if i had to find one thing sort of what is like the, the secret to nintendo or like what is the thing that the nes was doing that made it stand out at this time especially is that all these games are really about your curiosity Mm -hmm. you know i think a lot there's sort of like a a simple ask to a lot of games of this era so it's like okay with mario you move and you jump and with a lot of like early arcade games it's a similar thing but i think again those moments where it's like the war pipes are there in some ways because you can't save and also like because i think cheat codes and stuff like that were like kind of part of the experience at the time. Right. But I think that was the beginning of Mario having a dual interest in both being a platformer and also being like a weird place to explore. Yeah. Like, I actually think that you start to see like some Zelda DNA in the later Mario entries of just like uh, having this be a game that is rewarding your curiosity, like you said, and your creativity.
0: Yeah, I I think this is really going to be, at least for me going into it, this is what I anticipated the through line of the episode really being is like the further into Mario you get, like the lineage of Mario games... You know, although I think a lot of people look at them and, and you know, your takeaway could be like, oh, they added this new power up to this one or, you know, now Mario does this if you crouch and then jump or like there's a there's a wall hop or whatever. Now, I really think and I might be wrong about this, but I, I really think that for each iteration of Mario, the further in you get, the more the team making it asks themselves, how do we enable more creativity in the player? How do we allow them to explore and find new things? And especially in this era that was like pre-internet, where it really just was word of mouth that allowed you to have conversations about about Mario and, and about games in general, being like, hey, did you know, you know, you could have the experience like, hey, did you know that on one two, you could go up and do this and then end up a warp pipe that takes you all the way to world three, you know, so you could just skip world two entirely like stuff like that was kind of unheard of. And I think, that kind of thing building it into the game really uh set off uh, like a chain of events that leads to things like i I know it's gonna sound fucking stupid but it leads to things like dark souls you know like
1: yeah i was i I was thinking of elden ring when you were saying like did you know x i mean that is like the whole games right I, i think we're actually at a point now where a lot of we've streamlined a lot of design to be more approachable and understandable which is great but I think there is so much power in like just leaving things in a game that are not explicitly shown or explained. Yeah. It makes it feel really magical and mysterious. I mean, that's something that really kept us, me and my sister, going back to Super Mario World is stuff like the top secret area and the Star World. Like, mm-hmm. This was here the whole time. Yeah. That's amazing. You know, yeah. it's it's so especially in a game that is otherwise very straightforward. Yeah. You know?
0: And you see you see the bones of it in this game. I mean, they got so much right, obviously. They like the just the side-scrolling nature of it, the the enemies, the design of everything. Like it's obviously, you know, firing on all cylinders at all times, but you can see the bones of like wouldn't it be fun if players could discover this or wouldn't it be fun if you did this weird thing you could unlock this or whatever even just the idea of like playing as luigi even is like (laughs) such a silly and fun addition to the game um being able to pass the controller back and forth you know
1: i didn't fully remember how strange the bowser stages are i mean in some (laughs) ways i think you could say they're the weakest part of this game because like they don't really know how to do boss fights in super mario brothers like There is kind of a thrill in like to defeat Bowser, you just have to trust a moment in time. It's like yeah. a singular jump to get <laughs> to the axe. Um, But a lot of the Bowser stages are like there'll be like three paths and if you go down one, you'll hear like a wrong noise basically. Mm-hmm. And that stuff was like really interesting that it was even in the game and I think that got further fleshed out over time. Yeah, But it, I just think it's fascinating that like even in this game where it is like kind of as simple as Mario's ever been, there is still that weird mystery it's a lot of
0: it that is such a good example of like it's amazing there's puzzle solving in this game yeah you know it's amazing like you need to follow visual and audio clues to understand the fact that you're even in a puzzle in the first place or else you're going to be like is the game broken i'm running through the same place over and over again but if you can clue into that audio cue being like or ding ding like then you're maybe you're set to like start the puzzle solving experience and again that just comes down to like giving the player agency to understand their situation and then uh intuitively find their way through it which is again miraculous for a game that came out in 1985 you know,
1: yeah, and I think while the later Mario games do a better job at like making the levels feel more distinct, I do like the variety here. Like I like the levels that are at night. I love the weird flying fish bridge with the like Roman statues. It's incredible, yeah. <laughs> I think that's a little bit glossed up by the All Stars of it all. Yeah, it this, is. I, I think this might be the first time I finished it. I finished the whole game for this recording. Wow. Hell yeah. Again, this is something that like my sister and I or or friends and I would play like in a sitting, maybe before we played something else, like to sort of like try it for an hour and see how far we get. I would often just use the warp pipe to get to one of the cooler looking levels and then just not beat it. That was like my (laughs) usual run of Mario as a kid.
0: If you hop on our YouTube, you can see uh, I I played through the first game. Uh, this one and then also lost levels on there but I specifically for that playthrough told myself no warp pipes I'm just going to play every single level because I couldn't couldn't remember the last time I'd done it because as soon as you know the warp pipes are there it's like the obvious go to but it was really interesting going through each of the each of the levels one by one for the first time in such a long time because I I forgot that there's like a pretty good difficulty curve for the most part with this game until you hit 8 until you hit world 8 and then the game gets (laughs) so punishingly difficult all of a sudden which is really wild, um, but you know, is is fun and rewarding when you finish it finally, but it, it gets yeah. really weirdly tough in World 8.
1: I also forgot the running gag of like there being more and more toads. Like I know the like our princess yeah. in another castle, but there's like a weird like, once you get to like the seven toads it gets kind of haunting.
0: Yeah. Yeah, they just come out of like this little small bag like a clown car of toads <laughs> just kind of like stacked up on top of each other like a tower and then they fall over. Yeah. yeah. So I like funny.
1: how Toad's character is rooted in disappointment. Like that was like his <laughs> first he just showed like hey sorry it's just me yeah <laughs> <laughs> it's just me and my many spores <laughs> i love toad yeah. More on that actually very soon but uh yeah i mean this is one of those games where it's like yeah it's perfect like what else we need to say you know yeah, like yeah. but it, it was cool to again like not using the word pipes going through from start to finish and seeing that gradual curve of difficulty even though it does spike at the end yeah um, it was a lot of fun it's also pretty i mean it, the nes games are fairly short it's kind of nice to just you, you can do it in like one or two nights which so is like a fun
0: project yeah yourself my big issue uh with the first super mario brothers was just the the hammer brothers man like the hammer brothers are so <laughs> fucking brutal yeah uh and are only they only get worse in, in uh, lost levels but even in this first one there are a couple instances where you just like roll up on two Hammer Brothers and like they haven't given you any items or any way to you know level yourself up so you're still like small Mario and That's you need to thing. go toe to toe with the Hammer Brothers.
1: The second half of this game you're small Mario for like all of it.
0: Yeah. Uh, <laughs> which is so demoralizing. Because they keep I... they keep giving you the option to they, it's, they almost taunt you with with question blocks that you can hit to get a mushroom or something but usually they're like place precariously over a lava pit and a fire rod you know yeah right exactly and now I didn't use warp pipes but I did I play
1: this on the switch for this episode and I did use save states a lot like kind of for the first time I never mm. have really done that for anything but like I just wanted to see it through and I'm like I'm not I'm not gonna do this all night yeah you know I like. I think there is something really special about this era of difficulty <laughs> like the games that are made in this era that just sort of like demand perfection like mm-hmm. there is a lot of fun and like okay i'm just gonna devote like a summer to beating this game just to prove that i can yeah i love that but for this episode i'm like i actually have to do other things <laughs> so i'm gonna use save states Sorry. yeah
0: i i didn't for uh for the first one and i did towards the end of lost levels and then i did for all the other games uh because
1: you kind of have to for three uh which we'll get to yeah because three <laughs> i'll just say it now mario 3 incredible game the save system is is wild yeah. because <laughs> In all of these games, again, if you get a game over, you start over from the beginning of the world, which is technically the same in Mario Three, but the world can mean like two hours of game of Mm -hmm. gameplay because it's the actual world map. There's like at least nine levels in a world, so even if you're saving in Mario All Stars, it's not going to count. You're going to start from the very beginning of that world. Yeah, it's
0: wild. Uh, I I use save states like whenever I beat a level on a map. Yeah, I'll I'll be honest. I mean, there's not a whole lot to say, but super mario brothers it's it's just <laughs> so fucking good and uh i my my big recommendation to you dear listener if you haven't done it in a while i, I think you and i both appreciated the experience of like just playing through that game again. Uh, Yeah. Just like play through it normally as if you don't know anything. And uh, I think you'll have like a surprisingly good time.
1: Yeah. Again, it's, it's, it it feels very silly to recommend this game. Of course. I think if you're, if you haven't played it in a while, it it is really refreshing and inspiring to go back to it.
0: Yeah. When was the last time you got mad at a blooper? You know, like I just feel like I hadn't had the, (laughs) I'm mad at a blooper experience in like maybe 10 years. Yeah. I'm like
1: (laughs) acting as if I'm watching wrestling when I'm playing this game. I'm constantly screaming. Yeah way that i never would any other game
0: it's so evocative still yeah somehow. i mean it's like yeah. they, they just nailed everything i it's it's Uh, it's unreal it's not so surprising really having gone through all of this that Miyamoto has become like like a legendary iconic dude you know he's like he's like a famous man at this point I I saw this one anecdote where uh where Paul McCartney went to go visit him just because of how big of a deal Mario had become and if one of the Beatles is going to visit you because you've become so famous that the Beatles now care you, you you know you've made it you know uh absolutely but uh short segment on super mario brothers let's take a break and then move on to uh the two mario twos which i think is going to be a really fascinating conversation
1: are we going to do them in one section or do you want to split them up i don't
0: know let's figure it out when we get there we'll follow our hearts just like nintendo did (laughs) we'll figure it out (laughs) see you then (laughs) bye-bye All right, we're back. We're ta- we're talking about the two games that I think are really like I think I think the black sheep of the of the Super Mario lineage if I if I had to say. Yeah. The first one being Super Mario Brothers 2, like the original version that released in Japan, also known as the Lost Levels by the time it came here. And Super Mario Brothers 2, the version That was released outside of Japan, uh, which I I learned uh, was called Super Mario Brothers USA, by the way. Oh, really? uh, In in Japan. Yeah. When when Super Mario All-Stars Collection came out, which I love as a name. Uh, This is very silly. But Super Mario Brothers 2, which then became The Lost Levels. I, I didn't know this initially until I started looking into it. But apparently it started its life as an arcade game it started its life as like we want to make a version of super mario brothers that works in an arcade and if you know anything about arcade games at the time they were all super fucking difficult uh specifically just to like eat your money um so this game was designed as like miyamoto and uh nintendo D 4 which is the the subgroup that like makes the mario games or that made the mario games banding together and being like let's make a really hard super mario brothers game (laughs) um and the reports at least from the making of it are like they had a really good time making like a really kind of masochistic horrifying nightmare version of mario you know because they didn't really need to make a whole lot of new stuff in the development of it right right? because it's like using the same graphics the same sounds for the most part the same backgrounds they just like added a couple things here and there to make it a little bit more difficult like the poison mushroom if you've never played the lost levels uh it, it just just know that the vibe is challenging that's like yeah that's really the name of the game and you know little things like uh the hammer brothers just kind of run towards you now and they don't stop throwing hammers uh, and every once in a while they jump things like that i mean they, they just really kind of like stepped up the challenge of the game and then while they were making it was when nintendo was also working on the famicom disc system which was like an add-on for the original nes because apparently it was cheaper to make the discs that went into it. They were floppy discs. Um, it was cheaper to make them than it was to make cartridges, which is the big impetus for making the Famicom disc system, which I think is really funny. Is like, it's so expensive to make these copies of Mario that we want to make a cheaper like delivery method. But anyway, they were like, hey, if you're making all of these new Mario levels and Mario is already a huge deal, it's like a phenomenon worldwide already, then maybe we could use the thing that you're making instead of putting it in arcades as a way to sell the Famicom disc system. And that was, that was the idea. And that's what happened. They released it with the Famicom disc system and it became a huge fucking deal. Similarly, like the first one, Mario brothers two came out and like really took, I was going to say the world by storm. It took Japan by storm. And this is, this is where the deviation happens because there's a huge delay at this point in in games history. There's a huge delay between games that come out in Japan and when they come out in the rest of the world. And this, I I can't believe this is the story, but there was a guy that worked in the warehouse at Nintendo and his name was Howard Phillips. And uh, (laughs) his whole deal was that he would play every single game that Nintendo made and would report back to the current president of Nintendo at that that time. His name was uh, Minoru Arakawa. He would report back to Arakawa and be like, this is a good game, I think. I think people in the United States would like this or they wouldn't and he was he was a guy that worked in the warehouse and eventually Arakawa started to appreciate his insight so much into like the American games market just as like a guy who was American who played video games Wow that he eventually got like promoted out of the warehouse and became essentially like an in-house advisor for you know the worldwide market and when he got his hands on Super Mario Brothers 2 he was like this game is just cruel and, and he there are quotes from him that are like I can't believe Mr. Me. Yamoto would do this <laughs> which is so funny
1: um, it, i kind of understand though i mean i think me it's too. like yeah when you play one one of super mario brothers and then one one of the lost levels it is truly like the opposite sentiment
0: yeah they tell you that they're not there to fuck around in one one yes right exactly
1: like super mario brothers is going to teach you not only how to play mario but kind of how to play video games right and lost levels is like driving over a puddle like you're walking on the sidewalk (laughs) and it just wants to (laughs) splash you with water and i think i mean honestly like i actually did enjoy lost levels not to the same degree obviously but like I think that as a sequel, it's kind of fascinating because I think it does in its own strange and slightly evil way prove that there's more to do, that there's like a different angle you can take with this type of game. Absolutely. And I also think, honestly, I mean, this feels like the prototype for Kaizo and like ROM hack Mario. Like, I feel like totally it all kind of started. It's it's amazing that Miyamoto himself made the first, made ROM, the first ROM hack, hack. <laughs> <of> Mario. <laughs> yeah. But I get why well, I, I honestly I honestly do think if this was the follow up, Mario may have played out dramatically differently. Yeah. Uh, or very differently in the US than than uh, how it has played out.
0: And that was the conversation going on internally at Nintendo also about about releasing this in the US um, was I, I think the the going line that everyone always hears and talks about is like oh this never came to the United States or never left Japan because uh, they thought it'd be too hard for you know the worldwide audience and uh, only only Japanese people could do it but even in Japan I didn't know this but even in Japan like on the box art it was marketed as like this is a challenging version of Super Mario Brothers like yeah it had Mario like doing you know the, the two and stuff and it was like cartoony and cute but there was this like big golden button on the top left of the box that said for Super Players only that was like
3: Super Players <laughs> <laughs>
0: That was like, this is only for people who think that they're like up to the challenge of playing it. So even at the time, they knew it was too hard and they must have because they were making it for an arcade machine to eat people's quarters, you know? Right,
1: right, exactly. That's sort Uh, of the missing piece when you're just playing it in the All-Stars collection.
0: Yeah, right, yeah. Without without that like context when you're just in the vacuum of like, oh, finally I can play this thing that was never released in the US. It's like, what the fuck were they thinking when they made this? (laughs) And it turns out it all stemmed from like pretty understandable business moves you know yeah um but at the end of the day I, I think you're right that that lost levels just proves like mario can continue in a billion different directions and this is one of them and i think it you know I, a lot of people look back on it as maybe like you know uh, not a mistake per se but something adjacent to a mistake but honestly playing it i i love mario brothers too i love the lost levels i i've now played through it twice In its entirety in my life and both times were like deeply challenging and really rewarding in a way that I look for in so many other games now like I feel like my my love of lost levels in high school really connects directly to things like my love of the binding of Isaac a couple of years later and and roguelikes in general yeah Um, just Super Mario Brothers 2 coming at this like hey okay you played through the original Super Mario Brothers you know the mechanics you understand intuitively uh it's like ingrained in your dna at this point exactly how long mario jumps in the air when you hit that button uh exactly you know how long he'll hang in the air when you're jumping over a gap what if we took all of those things that you feel like you know and kind of flip them on their heads or challenge them in interesting ways like super mario Bros. 2 adds wind to some levels that suddenly make it so you're jumping like five times further than you think you are you're jumping off of a lot of uh, a lot of like springing platforms that launch you into the air, and specifically off the screen, so you don't even know where you are, where you're going to land. They introduce some new enemies. They change up some of the patterns of some of those enemies, and and it creates, I think, like if you if you've never played this game, but you feel like you know so much about Mario and how Mario is supposed to play, I think this game will give you that aha moment, that aha feeling. That is hard to get now about Mario, you know, it'll it'll bring you back down and ground you again in the like, I don't even know what's possible here, which is so exciting to feel about a game that literally like looks and feels exactly like the first one to have absolutely no context for what could come next or what's possible. Even Um, the first time you see Bowser and he's throwing hammers at you or he has (laughs) wings is like horrifying, you know? It's like a phase push in a in a Souls game. Yeah, they just they just continue to add horrible superpowers to Bowser the further into the <laughs> game you get. And you still need to beat him the same way. You just need to make it to the other side of him and hit that little switch. But either way, I mean, like, it's just going to get harder and harder and harder. And thankfully, in the Super Mario All-Stars version of it, they used the save structure and and made it. So if you die, it just brings you back to the level that you were on, not the world, which is like oh, wow. amazing. That's even better. Yeah. Huge quality of life improvement.
1: Yeah. And that that lets you, I think, enjoy it without being too frustrated. Um, Mm -hmm. the connection I'm making right now to hearing you talk about the lost levels is like, I do think in some ways, Mario has secretly kept this duality because I think in a lot of the more modern Mario games, like Odyssey comes to mind where it's like the core game of Odyssey is like eight hours of just pure joy. Yeah. But then if you stick around, they're like, all right if it's just the freaks there's a lot more of the game and it's way harder yes if you wanna it's, it's like every Mario game since has secretly had a lost levels epilogue
0: right in some ways it just, in this case they're two distinct games yeah it's funny in Super Mario All-Stars too because they they kind of do that also with the lost levels like you beat yeah. the lost levels <laughs> right you beat 8-4 and then they're like guess what A-1 baby yeah same with, the,
1: same with the original like when you beat it you can do like an altered version of it which is cool the
0: big thing that they do with uh the original which i think is really cool is they just replace the enemies with different harder versions of enemies so like instead of goombas it'll be spinies or something which is a fun way to kind of change up like okay if you've memorized how one one works and suddenly you're faced with spinies and one one like that 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 becomes kind of like a more interesting experience but lost levels just having like a whole second set of of eight worlds is uh pretty shocking yeah <laughs> um and, and it's I, the moon in odyssey basically yeah. yeah and i i think that that weirdly leads me into uh super mario brothers 2 the u.s version so i didn't know this either but this initially was cre- as, as we mentioned it, it was called doki doki panic it was a game that uh released in japan as Doki Doki Panic, uh, but was made by the same team that made the Mario games. I didn't yeah. know this. So like Miyamoto was involved, uh, like the whole the whole crew was getting back together to like make a new thing. Specifically, the idea was what if instead of going horizontally, it was a side scroller where you went vertically, which is yeah, a cool idea. Absolutely. Um, yeah. And over time, the further into it they got, they were like, yeah, this kind of plays itself out really quick. So they kind of did a a blend, which I think was smart just for variance purposes. But it had these four characters that were specific to that game. Um, And then when they realized and decided they didn't want to release the original Super Mario Bros. 2, the normal version of it, uh, outside of Japan, this became like a really obvious like tile swap kind of situation to just turn it into mario very quickly and they went in and they made some changes you know it's not just like a total one-to-one thing it's not like you go play doki doki panic and it's exactly the same game like
1: yeah it's fairly close i mean there's it's interesting to see what's different and what's the same like a lot of the enemy designs are kind of one-to-one like that's yeah like shy guys and birdo are all from doki doki panic Mm -hmm. which is fun um one thing though that kind of puts that makes a little bit more sense is like famously in in mario 2 you you are like picking up enemies instead of jumping on them which is another kind of flip yeah uh and you're pulling stuff out of the ground to throw it at at enemies and one of the things you can find is you'll pull up a root and it's like a weird potion that becomes a door yeah but in doki
0: doki panic it's a magic lamp which i think Mm -hmm.
1: actually makes way more sense yeah uh but anyway you, you were saying
0: yeah uh one of the things I didn't know about Doki Doki Panic is to beat the game, you needed to beat all of the stages as all four characters. Yeah, it's like their Sentinels. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's, yeah, it's just like their <laughs> Sentinels. And thankfully, they got rid of that uh, for for the Super Mario Brothers two refresh.
1: Yeah, that would be too much. I'm I'm really curious because I know you you uh, you were sharing you know your experience with all the mario <laughs> games on youtube and you played the first level or two of this and just like tapped out you're like nah yeah. i'm not doing this like, this lost levels was actually way better than this yeah. um
0: what do you think like has that opinion changed at all or or how do you feel i'll be honest it hasn't really like i, I went back and i played a lot more of it i didn't finish it and i don't think i've ever finished this game uh, i'll i'll be upfront and just say that i didn't finish it uh but i did play a lot more of it i started to see more birdos for example uh i didn't even realize this when we were doing our mario kart stream where we were playing as birdo and you could change you know, birdo colors uh there are different birdo colors in this game i had no idea yeah i,
1: I had also forgotten that <laughs> yeah uh,
0: there's there's like a red birdo in there anyway i i appreciate a lot of what this game brought to the table and i i'm really thankful that nintendo and D 4 specifically took a lot of the things from doki doki panic and and decided to bring them forward and make them like part of the DNA of Mario as a whole right the idea of like picking up and throwing items is a huge piece of Mario that started here although you already had you know uh, examples of Luigi uh, being a little bit taller and being a little bit floatier and kind of running like he's on ice you know versus Mario which can't jump as high but you know it has a little bit more traction introducing like the the versions of Toad and Peach that we now know you know like you look at a game like Super Princess Peach and it's just like a one to one matchup of how she controlled in uh, Mario Brothers Two, that kind of stuff I think is really cool. But for the most part, I just I find this game to be obtuse in ways that aren't fun for me. I like a lot. I like a lot of the exploratory stuff. This weirdly, I, I don't think I've mentioned this on the show before. But um, when my dad installed a bunch of emulators on our gateway computer at one point, this was the game I played the most. Weirdly, oh, <laughs> um, and even at the time, I remember not. I remember not getting it. Uh, and that's, I think why I played it as much as I did. I played that in Castlevania one a lot. Uh, and mm. in both cases, I was like, I should be able to do this. Like I should be able to understand this <laughs> cause I've played Sonic the Hedgehog and comic zone. Uh, so I feel like I should be able to understand how to play Mario 2. Um, but I had a really hard time with it and I, I still do to this day. There's just something about it that feels like the opposite friction from what I, I should be experiencing or enjoying about it uh what about you how how, how do you feel about this one
1: yeah i i totally get it i don't know why but i kind of love this game (laughs) i um i i would say it's definitely not on the same level as the rest like i think it's definitely like like i i also like i don't really have the interest to see it through when i pick it up Mm -hmm. the thing about this game i mean it's definitely, as we often bring up, like there's this whole era of weird NES sequels. Like Nintendo was very beholden to their mantra of like, if you're doing a sequel, like change it up, new idea. Yeah. And so when you look at Zelda 2, Castlevania 2, Mario 2, they're all like really weird, really wild a completely out there
0: games so i that, forgot to mention i played a couple hours of, of zelda 2 this week uh, in anticipation of this episode because i wanted to compare it against super mario brothers 2 and yeah. like man are they contemporaries in terms of how weird <laughs> they are
1: yeah uh but in both cases though i think there are ideas in both that have definitely paid off moving forward yeah the thing that this is maybe a strange uh point of comparison but i want to say it anyway playing mario 2 and seeing what has been kept from Mario two made me think of Rocky and that like both (laughs) Rocky as a franchise and Mario have the opportunity to forget their past, but they claim it all as Canon. Like, like I think like Rocky Balboa, the mid two thousands, like reboot Mm -hmm. could have just said like four and five never happened, but no, like they're in the story of Rocky. And I honestly think that that, Makes that franchise really beautiful because I think just like the character, the franchise itself is accepting the hits. It's like yeah. we know when it has fallen, when the, what the good ones are, what the bad ones are. Um, I don't think Mario Two is a bad game, but I think it's a very experimental game where where only a few ideas pay off. I think the big ones, though, that like this series really benefited from, like you said with Princess Peach. I think rounding out the cast. Like, I think if you can draw a line from Lost Levels to Kaizo, you can draw a line from Mario 2 to 3D Worlds and like to Mm -hmm. all the new Mario Brothers games and like the games that are kind of focused on the chaos of Mario and like the strangeness of Mario. I think that this game really entirely focused on like we, we mentioned sort of the mystery and the appeal of finding the warp pipes in Mario 1. I feel like Mario 2 is like that as a game. Like the whole game is finding the warp pipes yeah. for better and for worse. Yeah. So, well, I think as a as a complete package, it's like kind of uneven. I do really think that like of all the strange NES sequels, I think this one weirdly has had the most like visible influence on its franchise.
0: I totally agree with you there. Yeah, I I think I think the bigger thing for me is I go back and I play all of the other games in this package and they all still feel amazing and have their own like really unique, interesting identifiers, even though they all are kind of like cut from the same cloth in some ways. Um, And Super Mario Brothers 2 is cut from a completely different cloth and is trying a bunch of different things. And although I appreciate the the future that Super Mario Brothers 2 enabled, I think that it's aging worse maybe over time.
1: Yeah, I agree with that. I think especially because the the idea of verticality doesn't feel fresh anymore. So it just feels kind of awkward to like go up or down one panel at a time. Yeah, Um, I do kind of enjoy the central mechanic of like pulling and throwing. Like I think that does work. And mm-hmm. I like the variety of play styles. Like I like that Peach can
0: float. I like that Luigi can jump higher. Peach is amazing. Peach is so good in this game. Peach is like the go to.
1: Like I think I would advocate for Mario Two way more if they change the music more frequently. Cause I think <laughs> you get really sick of that one level theme. Yeah. Uh, but even still, like, I, I do think it's worth, if you're interested in the history of Mario and you haven't played this, I think it's worth experiencing. I think it's an interesting swing for the series, uh, even if it didn't entirely pay off.
0: Yeah. I think it's also worth mentioning that this game was beloved when it came out, like yeah. it reviewed really well and people loved it and accepted it as Mario two, which I think is really interesting because at the time this, this was like kind of the beginning of Nintendo power really taking off, um, Nintendo power, that magazine became a huge deal and had like millions of people signed up for yeah, it. I
1: read it as a kid. I, I I subscribed to Nintendo power from like 97 to like 2005 probably mm. I, I was an active reader. I read
0: every issue, no matter what was in it. Oh man. I'm kind of weirdly jealous of that. I never had that experience at Nintendo Power.
1: It was awesome. I, I think just awaiting the mail on getting that magazine, it was a really cool ritual. And yeah. like I remember being pissed at gamers in two thousand and one <laughs> for bashing the Windmaker art style. They're all like, This looks like it's for kids. And I'm like, I'm a kid and I want it and it looks great. And like <laughs> Talk about games that have aged well. Wind Waker still looks incredible. So. Yeah,
0: totally. Uh, the, the reason I bring up Nintendo Power specifically is they didn't talk about Lost Levels or the original Super Mario Bros. 2 at all, because they were so focused in Nintendo Power on like, OK, what what will our readers be able to play? So they, although they knew that Super Mario Bros. 2 like, existed and was released over in Japan, it was not a thing that they talked about. So again, pre-internet, it was like... Yeah. It was this era where just like Nintendo was kind of purposely keeping secret the fact that there was a version of Super Mario Brothers 2 that we were never going to see. And they just kind of like held that in the chamber until they had this rebrand of Doki Doki Panic ready to go. Uh, And and this didn't release in the U.S. until the same year that Super Mario Brothers 3 had launched in Japan, which I think is wild. So Japan was already on the third game and we were getting this like rebranded pseudo sequel instead. (laughs) Um, That we loved. um and yeah i i also
1: think and not to you know continue like trying to simplify history in this way but like i also think this game kind of paved the way for like mario party and mario kart too i think just Mm. by nature of like i know that's maybe a bit more of a stretch but like having the focus on the whole characters and the weirdness of it and sort of like because i played this game too growing up and like i never really thought about it too critically i just sort of also like like just took it in I just sort of like (laughs) trusted oh yeah this is also Mario I guess even though it feels completely different and like what I remember having the most fun with is like just when you lose you can start over and choose a new character and just like that feeling of like passing a controller around and so like well let me try and I'm gonna try as peach like Mm -hmm. that was so Mm -hmm. fun and I think that that aspect of like multiplayer and having multiple characters I just see that like piece of Mario kind of splitting off in different directions and one of the directions I would say is like the sort of party games uh, part of Mario.
0: Totally. And I, I yeah. think the the best analog for me is probably uh, the, the multiplayer focus in the New Super Mario Brothers line once it hits yeah, like right. the Wii U. Uh, New Super Mario Brothers Deluxe for example is just like It just feels like Mario 2 again, but as a multiplayer game. And they kind of just like got it right. You know, they just kind of like blended everything that worked about Mario 2 with everything that worked in in New Super Mario Brothers and then made it this like chaotic nightmare multiplayer experience. Yeah, um, which is amazing. Honestly, I I haven't read the questions yet, so I I don't know if this is in there, but uh, I'll, I'll just say this out loud. I really wish that Nintendo would make a new Super Mario All-Stars like that's that's like such a dream scenario for me. I just I want them to take like the DS ones and the 3DS ones and the Wii U one and just like mash it all together. You're going to love the questions we got. Um, Yeah. (laughs) yeah. Put a pin in that for later. As As soon as that popped into my head, I was like, there's probably a question that's adjacent to this. But yeah, I, I don't know. I just I want that so badly because I, I feel like frequently I'm going to bat on this show for the new Super Mario Brothers games. I think that they're exceptional. And they're great, yeah. They feel so much like Mario 2. Yeah, this this feels like the
1: prototype for that yeah. for that part of Mario, which is what I was getting at. Yeah. That's kind of all I had to say about Mario 2, unless you had anything else before we move on.
0: No, uh it's the urberto, and uh I'm I'm glad that this game gave us Birdo. I'm glad I I I am sad that she's a villain here,
1: but mm-hmm. um she eventually comes around, I guess, in Mario Tennis. When, yeah. when did she become an ally? Yeah, yeah, I guess tennis.
0: I have no idea. Yeah, but uh, she, she's one of the um, the best racers in Mario Kart now. Uh, yeah.
1: Oh, is that official?
0: Yeah. I love that.
1: She feels really good. I mean, she feels kind of like a Yoshi uh, type character. So. Yeah.
0: Shout out to Berto. Shout out to Berto. You can be whatever you want.
1: Thank you, Berto. Do you want to move on to Mario 3, the game that you claim uh, ended the arcade era? Yeah,
0: Yeah, I'd love to. I forgot I said that, but I did say that. Uh, Now I have to make good on it. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Let's go to Mario 3.
1: <laughs> I, we've actually shown excellent restraint. <laughs> I was just thinking that <laughs> there's a versions episode where every chapter is like, woohoo! <laughs> but, you know, we've, we have our poker face yeah. in terms of both of us being able to do a pretty good Mario.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, I think it's just like the daunting nature of needing to talk about Mario is kind of suppressing the like. It almost, it almost feels like we're on stage, like presenting in front of a class, you know?
3: Right. (laughs) A little bit. It's just you and me
0: here. We could have fun. We could, we could have pal around. We could pal around. Uh, Super (laughs) Mario (laughs) Brothers 3. (laughs) There you go. Oh yeah. We're getting into it. That's a different series. Super Mario Brothers 3 is a fascinating game. I think in this lineage for me, it's the one that I was the most interested in checking out for this episode. I think because i I've always liked it a lot. I think it's really good. But I never I never saw it as, like, the end-all, be-all. I think the way that a lot of people do. I think a lot of people look at Super Mario Bros. 3 and they're like, this is the best Mario game, this is the best 2D Mario, or, like, this is the most influential one, or et cetera.
1: It's usually, like, worlds versus three. And yes. there's really no consensus there. I think it's, like, yeah. there's there's equal arguments for both.
0: And I get it. Yeah, it's left brain, right brain. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Uh wh- where are you really gonna land on it? I don't know. So I don't know. I was I was really excited to jump back into this one. And uh I'll say it Super Mario Bros three fucking rips. I mean that's not it's not a hot take to say that it's really good. Uh but man Have I had a good time playing this game? So I I did a weird thing for this. Uh, I played it on Super Mario All-Stars in the SNES collection, but then I went back and also played the Super Mario Advance version of it because that, for some reason, also got released on the Switch. And... I like it. I like the I like the Game Boy Advance version more weirdly than this. And I, and I don't know why, because they're like almost exactly the same. But something about playing it on the Game Boy Advance version just felt like I locked into the controls a little bit better. And I, I don't I didn't look up any differences between those two versions, really. Um, But what I know about the making of Super Mario All-Stars and like where that came from was that team saying, like, we're going to try and get as close to the game feel of the original as possible for all of these In this kind of, you know, new engine that we're putting together for this. But also, they were limited by the fact that they needed to figure out how to fit all these games into one space. Whereas Super Mario Advance, that version of Super Mario Bros. 3 is like, we're building this from the ground up. And I wonder if they just like nailed the game feel a little bit better. Because I also went and played the NES version of it. And I think that those two feel like contemporaries. And the All-Stars version feels a little bit less than in the game feel specifically. Everything else is amazing. I want to be like totally clear. If you just have this version, which I mean, if you're playing on Nintendo Switch Online, you have all of the versions that I just mentioned. But if you're just playing Super Mario All-Stars version, I mean, it's amazing. Still, it's like an incredible game. Um, And I think it takes a lot of what the NES version did and just like pluses it up in every way, shape and form, visually, sonically, everything. I mean, it just is great. They added like places where you can save, which are, as you mentioned, unfortunately, at the end of each world. Um, But like, at least they're there. And that's better than the original where they just had the warp whistle and you could hypothetically never find the warp whistle. So you just didn't even know that was an option. But in terms of like the different versions of these games that I played, for some reason the Game Boy Advance one was the one that I made it the furthest in. I finished it on the Game Boy Advance version, oh, and, nice. like, and like loved my experience playing through it in a way that I haven't with Super Mario Brothers Three. I think since I first played it on the Game Boy Advance way back when.
1: Yeah, this one, this one's a weird one for me because I always sort of uh, it always sort of melted into Super Mario World for me. Because again, like yeah. my like with the original Super Mario Brothers, I actually had that game so i knew that distinctly from the all-stars collection mm-hmm. even though duck hunt was also there which was incredible yeah but like i never played the nes mario 3 so i only knew mario 3 from this collection and so that was around the same time that we already had super mario world so i just think i like it, it was a similar thing where like when phantom menace came out i was nine and I, I wasn't old enough to understand like what is this like they just re-released the new the old trilogy and i didn't really know like the order of the movies and what was supposed to be what so i remember just sort of like not really knowing what mario 3 was about separate from mario world until like probably college where like i remember a friend of mine had like his super nintendo in his dorm room and had mario 3 or mm. mario all-stars when we played mario 3 it was really cool this like oh this is like this is the game that came out before you can see like they are in in many ways the most similar. Like, I think all these Mario games are so distinct from each other, but I think Mario 3 and Mario World have a very similar skeleton. They both have like the introduction of the world map. They both have a lot of like secrets in not even just the levels, but like exploring the actual hub worlds and that's something that i think is really magnificent about super mario 3 is like as you play getting these items that you don't know exactly what they do but then just like trying out stuff and like Like, um, in one of the worlds, I think the third world is the water world. And like, there are hammer brothers on the map where if if you, if you walk into them, it will bring you into a fight with the hammer brothers. And if you defeat them, you get a hammer. And then I learned, oh, I can use the hammer on this rock on the world map Mm -hmm. that will allow me to take a boat and then explore like other, like the fact that they gamified the actual level selection process right is it was such a brilliant move and like they double down on that in worlds but there's something about the use of items in three that makes it almost feel kind of zelda-y yeah uh, and, I, and i wonder if that's like a factor when people compare the two um because it is really cool and it, i mean there's such little details like if the hammer brothers if the tile you're on when you bump into them is like a water one there'll be like a little bit of water in the level when you fight them like mm-hmm. it's so cool Like that attention to detail it makes the world feel alive and that's Again, I think you can see like Mario three really does feel like one plus two, like truly like they kept the stage play curtain, which I'm like, I'm so glad you kept that. That was such a silly idea. And I'm, I'm so glad it's stuck. Yeah. Uh, and, and just this sort of aspect of, of like experimentation and mystery and like throwing items at stuff from two, uh, adding that to the sort of like, solid platformer of one I think Mm -hmm. makes three a really special game
0: yeah 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 I I think that like picking up and throwing stuff even I think is evident in if I recall it's the first level when you get to like knock out a red koopa take his shell and then use it to kind of bounce between a bunch of golden blocks that just like essentially rattle back and forth and give you like a billion coins just by going back and forth over and over again that kind of stuff I feel like you know although it it feels so silly to say is like revolutionary you know yeah. and, and becomes so much of what mario is about from that point on is like picking up an item and holding on to it just in case you need it later things like that
1: and they kept the interest with verticality with the tanuki suit which i believe is the first time we're seeing that and that yeah. allows mario to fly i think it's also like I'm, I'm really fascinated by this game giving like a visible metric to mario's momentum mm. i don't know of any other mario game where like, we can actually see in like a a numeric visual value like <laughs> how fast mario is going yeah. Yeah, right. There's even an item that allows them to just keep maximum momentum at all times.
0: Which is so cool. Yeah.
1: I also like that there there is, you know, you're not like Peach this time is just giving you items and advice as you beat each world. Mm-hmm. And there's something like they're having a lot of fun with just things you maybe don't realize are new ideas while you're playing it. But like Mario sliding down a hill to defeat enemies instead of jumping on them. Right. And even just the momentum of levels. So I think in in the first Super Mario Brothers and even in Mario 2, they have a very uh, set level. Like, you know, Super Mario Brothers, very simple left to right. You're usually moving at a, at a fairly similar speed. There's a little bit of stop and go with the castle levels, but it largely all feels at like the same game. In Mario 2, it's a lot more like kind of exploring it's it's less about platforming and more about interacting Mm -hmm. and then three you kind of get all varieties and I think what really stands out are the airship levels where it almost becomes a bullet hell where like you're very slowly creeping from left to right as the screen moves and also like all these projectiles are like ominously moving in different directions yeah it's it's like
0: the it's the beginning of auto scrollers in Mario
1: yeah which is also
0: like a a, a staple at this point And,
1: and and I think each level does a good job kind of if, you know, one one teaches you how to play Mario. I think in Mario three, that first world kind of gives you all the tools you need to play Mario three. Mm-hmm. Like you you kind of get, OK, this level is going to scroll. This level is actually in my control. So maybe I should like try throwing things at things. Mm-hmm. And then there are levels that are more like Mario one or uh, levels where you're on like a moving platform that you have to like stay on or or, or watch what's underneath you or above yeah. you. Yeah. It's amazing. It's it's so cool. And I think this is also like Mario 2 in some ways, or, you know, specifically the one the U.S. got, like, we have the boss fights with throwing stuff at Birdo, but I think Mario 3 feels like where they figured out how to do Mario boss fights, <laughs> it feels like, okay, like, you're going to be in a room and they're, the enemy is going to have, like, a variety of attacks and there's going to be a clear opportunity to jump on them, mm-hmm. um, and that's basically been how Mario bosses work ever since, yeah. even up until Odyssey, um, although Odyssey you have a bit more Kirby stuff going on, but... Um, It it really like Mario 3, you could argue is where like the series, as we know, it kind of found itself, Mm. which it's also really fascinating to look at. Mario 1 through 3 here and also think about 3D All-Stars with like Mario 64, Sunshine, and Galaxy because it really is the same like Mario 64 is the blueprint for 3D Mario Uh, Sunshine is like the weird (laughs) middle one that like is trying out a lot of things and maybe some is working and some isn't but like the ideas are paying off and then I think Galaxy like that is the Mario, the 3D Mario that feels like the series as we know it right now Galaxy really does feel like the modern blueprint Yeah. Um, whereas 64 is sort of the the overall three D like test, yeah. In some ways,
0: yeah, and I, I think this goes back to what we were saying right at the top. Also, is like this is a, a, an evolving lineage of enabling creativity in the player and enabling curiosity and and rewarding curiosity because in the first game I mean you have little bits of that right you have like the puzzle solving elements and you have elements of like can I go down this pipe yes or no um, and like just trying stuff out and seeing what works and eventually kind of just like slowly memorizing those levels one by one but then as you mentioned Mario 2 becomes almost like a, a, a an experiment in doubling down on that exploratory element and asking the player to just like really try every like OK, you got this potion, throw it here, see what happens. OK, now the next time you play this level, try throwing the potion somewhere else and maybe something else will happen, etc., etc. That game is all about just like literally picking things up and throwing them at the wall and seeing what sticks. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. Super Mario Brothers 3 taking all of that that worked so well and then adding on this like world map. Thing on top of it, um, and all of these interesting items, which I thought was an amazing. Just the introduction of like the raccoon suit, and then the Tanuki suit, and the frog suit, and the and the I hammer about the, frog the frog Hammer suit. Brothers yeah. suit. Like, yeah, I totally forgot that all that stuff was in this game. I did find out that uh, the the reason all that stuff is in the game initially is because uh, since the the creation of the first Super Mario Brothers, Miyamoto had had this drawing, the scribble that he had on his desk that he had pinned up that was Mario riding a dinosaur, and he was obsessed with the idea of getting mario to ride a dinosaur at some point and he kept wow. trying to make it happen in games and they just like couldn't make it work technologically and he was so bummed out about it that he was like well we got to figure out something and somebody else in D 4 came up with the idea of like well if we can't have mario riding animals and using their powers then what if we had mario turn into those animals and use those powers instead which is of course like you know one of the most brilliant things that anybody's ever thought of in a video game because now you know we have the cat suit but I love all that stuff and I love the the idea of like taking items that you can win out in mini games out in, yeah. the, in the world map and then choose when to bring them into levels. So like if you're a person who's having a hard time with a certain level and you, you know, you get a star or the P wing or something from somewhere else, you can take it into this level that you're having a hard time with and just fly through it and then make your way, you know? And, like, it it just allows players of every ilk to either challenge themselves more or make things easier for themselves. And again, there's just, like, so much... Choice in this game more so than a lot of other games at this time. I, I it's it's miraculous how much did Mario Brothers three gets right.
1: It's amazing, and I mean, I think in some weird way too, the Warp Pipe room, like the world map, is that idea stretched out. You know, right? Like that ability to do things in different orders or just try out different ideas, skip levels entirely. Yeah, like it's amazing. I do kind of miss this. I, I think you're you're pointing out the element of choice, and like that is something that has kind of been sanded off a little bit in more recent. Mario games, like I think you have the choice in like like Mario four and Odyssey. You choose like what goal within a level you're going for. Mm -hmm. I do wonder with whatever's next in the mainline Mario series, if they're adopting the Bowser's Fury mentality, there's room for a lot of creativity and secrets there with that format. So I I wonder if we can kind of bring a bit of Mario 3 back into that sort of model. Yeah. Oh, God, I would love that. That's the dream. Yeah, Yeah. that is the dream. tanooki Sue in an open world. I mean, what else do you want?
0: yeah I just have a couple weird facts about the making of this game that I just feel like rattling off for fun Uh, one of the things that has never been confirmed but uh, is largely believed that this game is based on a trip that Miyamoto and the rest of the R&D4 team took to Disney World um, (laughs) which is why so many of the of the levels are are essentially like a castle in the middle and then a bunch of worlds Um, it's like literally mirroring how Disneyland is laid out Wow, the Magic Kingdom which is interesting they apparently traveled all over the world to like find inspiration for this game which I think is just saying, because a that just shows how much fucking money they were making they're making money hand over fist on this mario stuff and they were like yeah let's, let's blow a lot of it to travel the world and see if maybe we can find inspiration for the next one but also this game took two years to make and uh about eight hundred thousand dollars so just just under a million which was a lot That was both a lot of time and a lot of money for this era. Like most games now take like five or six years or more uh, in development. But at the time, a lot of games were getting turned around in like six to eight months. Uh, So taking two years to make Mario Brothers 3 was kind of a big deal. But when it launched... It made like four million dollars, I think, like wow, <laughs> like um, like in the first weekend or something I, I, I didn't write down how much that was, but I, I just remember it was like, oh, they made their money back like tenfold very quickly, and then it immediately went on to be a huge hit, and a lot of that comes from just like the hype for this game was kind of off the charts because although you know it was already out in Japan for a while, worldwide people were just like waiting with bated breath for a Mario three to come out and They kind of did some brilliant shit. And I think if I had to guess, a lot of it was just kind of like falling backwards into an incredible marketing plan by accident um (laughs) but it's kind of the beginning of like mall tours and things like that uh where like people are starting to uh like show things off in malls and they had an arcade machine that nintendo would like wheel around that had a bunch of games on it and one of them was super mario brothers 3 that was like the first time that anyone outside of japan had seen it was like being able to go to an arcade and like play mario brothers 3 for like a couple minutes and then you know you need to like leave um, but outside of that the first time that most people saw Mario 3 was in the movie The Wizard
1: oh my god oh, with the power glove
0: yes uh, oh man that that movie was in development while Mario 3 was being localized and Nintendo thought like wouldn't it be cool if the climax of the movie was people get to see Mario 3 for the first time <laughs> um, here's my question to you do yeah. you think
1: they're going to do that again for the next Mario in the upcoming Mario movie <laughs> Is it gonna? I because I, I can't help but feel like it's because oh you know we haven't really heard yeah. unless I unless I'm out of the loop we haven't really heard much about like the prospect of the next mainline Mario game yeah we've heard nothing and I'm wondering if that has been kept like away from the public until after the movie comes out yeah you know what I mean yeah
0: I kind of hope so honestly <laughs> I I I feel deep down like there is some kind of secret Mario thing because look. I feel like Nintendo at this point is apt to bring this up, but they're in their, like, Walt Disney era, you know, like, they're building theme parks, they're making movies, etc. What number one thing is Disney better at than anybody else? It's, uh like, cross-department synergy, you know, is, like... A movie comes out. There's also a comic book. There's also you know every single toy that you can imagine. There's also a TV show. There's also what X, Y, and Z. And also, if you go to the theme park, there's like a new thing there. It would be a huge, huge missed opportunity for them to release the Mario movie and have absolutely no Mario video games come out in 2023 alongside it.
1: Yeah, that would also be very Nintendo, though. That would be, <laughs> it would be yeah, yeah.
0: <laughs> to totally not even think about it. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, oh, we didn't think about that. It's like, oh, interesting. Okay. (laughs) So what was was Bowser's Fury? Oh, all right. I think we talked about this on the show, but um, there's a trail. The most recent, I think, final trailer for that movie involves Donkey Kong getting a fire flower and using it and like using the firepower. And I was like, as soon as I saw that was when my brain flipped from they're not making a new mario game in conjunction with this movie to they are absolutely making a new mario game in conjunction with this movie it it
1: just feels like suspiciously quiet you know i know i know they're like trying to get like zelda's coming out soon and uh i i imagine it's probably tied to like you know potential hardware update and the movie i thought that's all connected and this is all just like you know, scribblings of a madman. I have nothing to back this up. It's just, yeah. it just my feeling based on what they're sharing with us.
0: Yeah. I'm assuming that something's coming, but we'll any, see. Anyway, Mario Brothers 3 uh, was revealed in The <laughs> Wizard.
1: <laughs> and that will never change. That's history. Yeah, uh,
0: that, is, that is history. Um, what's
1: your, to end to kind of wrap up, what's your favorite worlds in this game? You know, you, you mentioned how they traveled for inspiration, but there's also some really surreal ones too. I Which love, is kind of ironic.
0: You know yeah. what I totally forgot about this game that like blew me away when I when I got there was uh, the world where everything is big. That's my favorite one too. The Giant Land is so cool. I, j- I just can't believe they did that even.
1: Yeah. It's such a fun idea. And they they kind of do it again in 64. One yeah. of the paintings is like that. It, it's, it's actually a concept that I would love to see again. Especially like after playing Minish Cap and seeing how mm. fun it was to have that sort of dual worlds. I feel like applying that to Mario could be really fun. Yeah. But yeah, it's, that's a very
0: uh, surreal and memorable part of the game. Yeah. Uh, is, is the giant world. It's so strange. Um, I also really love that the Tanuki suit, like turning into a statue, like kind of doesn't like do a whole lot really, you know, I, it makes you a little bit invincible for a bit, which is helpful in some cases, but for the most part, it just like stops you in your tracks and is like not super helpful in terms of your goal, which is getting to the other side of the level. Um, yeah. I don't know. I, I I love the Tanuki suit. I, I think I think it's very silly that it's in there.
1: That's also a point I would give three overworld. Is I like the Tanuki suit more than the cape. Personally, the cape feels a little presumptuous of Mario. It's like, who do you think you are?
0: You know. Oh, I get that. Okay, from like from a fashion perspective.
1: Yeah, the the power incredible. Just the the uh, the look of it. It's a little bit like Tanuki is naturally cool, but Mario putting on a cape is like, come on, dude. Like, (laughs) you know, this is not a a good era for you.
0: Yeah, it also comes from the feather, which doesn't make much sense.
1: Yeah, I wonder what we're missing there in terms of just Just, what that symbolizes.
0: Birds fly, and it makes Mario fly yeah is that it the tanuki suit uh miyamoto has given interviews saying uh he knew that nobody outside of japan would understand why it does what it does but he didn't really care because he thought it was so fun uh, (laughs) which i love that's, that's the kind of energy I want more people to bring to game development. It's yes. like, I don't give, I don't give a shit if people understand this, but it's fun. That's also good design. Like the
1: Tanuki suit, that's kind of why I like it more than the cape. Cause the cape, I think comes with like a superhero energy, which is fun. Mm-hmm. It's not bad. Like I don't dislike it. He is I the super t- Mario, Steven. Oh, um, but the,
3: <laughs>
1: <laughs> the Tanuki suit is, is so unique and fun and, and like iconic it reminds me a lot of um i think i mentioned this before but there's like a blog old blog post from one of the uh, concept artists for mass effect and like there's all this like unused concept art mm. and basically they were writing like if you design an enemy with the idea that you want them to be cool or look cool it's going to fall on its face mm. like whether or not it becomes iconic is the design's relationship with the game itself. Like, and I thought, you know, I think they mentioned in that, that um, paragraph, like big Daddies in Bioshock where it's like isolated. They look kind of silly and almost a little cute, but they're terrifying in the game. Yeah. Cause you know what they're capable of. Right. And I think they're much scarier because they look kind of silly in some ways. Like they're more memorable at least. Mm. Um, I think there's, there's an element of like, you know, uh, having design that is maybe unconventional of what like our immediate thought would be. Yeah. And at the time not having like a, a cultural understanding of what a Tanuki like represents, it is still really cool to just fly as a raccoon. That's just like a fun visual. Yeah. That has become such a staple of video games.
0: Yeah. It's, it's amazing how much, how much verticality and how, how much, uh, how many secrets are available in this game to find. Uh, I, yeah. I, I ju- I just think it's, I just think it's incredible um, the, the idea that, like, yeah, you kind of need a little bit of like runway to be able to take off like an airplane. Uh, but if you do, there's usually stuff hidden in every single level in the sky. It's amazing.
1: I also, like, I know a lot of Mario games end with, like, sort of this feeling of finishing a race. Like, in, in Super Mario 1, there's, like, you know, the flagpole. And then in mm-hmm. Mario World, there's, like, actually sort of the finish line. I love the level just fading out to black. Yeah. And, like, having to do that jump. Exit stage right, yeah. It, it, it feels the most thrilling. Like, I always have this, like, really big sigh of relief when I finish a level in Mario 3. Also, it's a very hard game. I think it's like one of the harder ones outside of maybe Lost Levels. Like, yeah, this
0: is, this is the one I kept texting you about it was just like, I can't believe how fucking hard this is. Like I had just beaten Lost Levels and I was having a much harder time with Mario 3 for some it's reason. It's a
1: weird, it's not, it's not a gradual difficulty curve like Mario 1 is though. It's yeah. like pretty doable in the world one. And then the desert world is like crushing the desert world, like took everything I had and then it kind of gets with the sun. Yeah. The sun is, is a lot. Because it follows you to the very end. So, like, you have, like, I had to do that weird, like, fake out who's walking Mm -hmm. at, like, the end of the level with the sun. It's terrifying.
0: Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I feel like if I, if I put, like, a a Mario version of the FBI's most wanted list together, the sun would probably be towards the top of the
1: list. I wonder if that was, like, I I, slight inspiration for Majora's Mask is this like screaming planet in the distance like yeah ready to crush into you
0: yeah a lot uh, from what I read a lot of stuff in this game was inspired by other stuff uh which that sounds very silly to say but like (laughs) a, a good example is like the chain chomps were uh based on an experience that Miyamoto had when he was a kid with like a a really like mean dog that lived in his neighborhood oh wild And things like that. And I I wonder what the sun is based off of. I wonder if it's like...
1: It is funny how like almost everything in Mario and in Nintendo lore is like based on like kind of a mundane part of Miyamoto's life. Like (laughs) (laughs) I remember in, I think in Nintendo Power when Pikmin was coming out, which he was like, I feel like Pikmin is still his baby in a lot of ways. Like I think he really like wants Pikmin to take off more than it has but he was like, "Yeah, I was just like walking through my garden, and I thought of Pikmin. It's like you're a genius if you just if you're just in a garden, your idea is Pikmin. That's <laughs> incredible. What led to this is amazing. Yeah, but I just love like where where the inspiration comes from. <laughs> it's usually like, yeah, like I went outside and I thought, why not Star Fox? It's like, oh, okay, cool. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, Mario three is is really special." <laughs>
2: sorry
0: i'm still <laughs> laughing <laughs> i just I, I can't get out of my head it's like oh yeah i, I don't know I, I went on the subway and uh thought a breath of the wild <laughs> yeah i don't know the game's all about commuting i don't know how you didn't get that
3: <laughs>
1: i was walking out of the dmv and i thought elite beat agents
0: <laughs> there it
1: is EBA I thought what about a government agency that makes you dance away problems instead of (laughs) whatever the DMV wants me to
2: do yeah
1: well on that note do you want to move on take a small break and move on to Super Mario World the final Mario game
0: I would like to do that yeah let's do it and then and then we have questions in case you're wondering why the episode is so long
3: yeah,
0: <laughs> <laughs> we didn't just talk about Mario
1: World that whole time. <laughs> that section is just slowed down by, by three quarters for
0: some bum, reason. Yeah. Super Mario bum, World bum, bum, is bum, my bum,
1: favorite bum. game. I don't like the cape as much as the Tanuki suit <laughs> for aesthetic <laughs> reasons, but it's a lot of fun as a power. The way the game foreshadows secrets with the dotted lines of boxes.
3: Goodbye. Oh
1: steven
0: we're back and that's right it's a whole world of mario
1: miyamoto's dream has come true mario is finally riding a dinosaur (laughs) so he made it Here's something I didn't realize, and this is probably widely known knowledge already, and I might sound foolish for acting like it's a recent revelation. I'll accept the fool's crown. It was a revelation to me. I didn't remember that the first area, because the way Super Mario World works is like, mm. you know, Mario 3 has distinct world maps that like you kind of go through like levels yeah and in super mario world it's all a continuous thing but like you start off in one area and then you go to you know go like in a cave and then go to a new area i didn't realize the first world is yoshi's island yes i never really retained that at all which makes yoshi's island even cooler it's like that actual space realized in a different way yeah the whole the whole place i think is is the dinosaur kingdom right i i believe so yeah and also mario starts out at yoshi's house and yoshi's left a letter saying hey it's yoshi i'm out right now bowser kidnapped all my friends (laughs) which implies that (laughs) yoshi has set out to save everyone himself but then got trapped in various boxes and (laughs) If we're believing Mario World 2, Yoshi's Island to be the prequel where Yoshi and all the other Yoshis save and raise Mario, Mm -hmm. is Mario just like living at Yoshi's house and then goes out to save them?
0: Like there's, there's a story there that i didn't even realize my feeling is that it's like we're coming apart at the seams here uh, (laughs) pretty deep into this episode huh my feeling is that it's always been like a lion the witch in the wardrobe situation uh Uh where mario ended up in the dinosaur kingdom uh as a baby and then was sent back to (laughs) brooklyn or queens or wherever he comes from and then stumbled back into the mushroom kingdom and now he's back and fully grown up yeah and he's like, I better either save my friend or use
1: them to get a higher jump. Yeah. <laughs> to get a higher score. When I'm at, I don't know, the, the donut ghost house. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, Super Mario World, I mean, we've talked about it a little bit already. Um, and this is another case where I don't really have much more to say. I mean, it, again, it is really cool to see like the natural progression. And in some ways, after playing all these games in order, while they're all distinctly wonderful and great, it does kind of feel like Super Mario World is this cake, and all of the other ones have been like ingredients for this like <laughs> masterpiece. It does feel like it's like the culmination of truly everything that came before. I think so too. Yeah. I mean, I I I know many would 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 argue for three over worlds. I mean, I think they are really different in some ways, but Worlds to me just feels the best. Like still, it feels incredible to play. I I think the handling of the secrets is really interesting and in that like I think I said this a bit already in the episode, but the fact that the game foreshadows secrets is really interesting. Like I do think it kind of it strikes a nice balance with like showing the player that like, hey, there are a lot of parts of this level that may not be accessible right now or like, mm-hmm. you know, empty blocks that will be there maybe if you hit a switch later. Yeah. That way it's like you kind of know what possibilities exist without being kind of directly shown where they are so because i think if you if you have no idea it could be so easy to miss you just don't even know it exists i think that super mario world kind of shows the first attempt to sort of streamline the more mysterious parts of the first three games
0: you know what really fucked me up steven (laughs) what i didn't know this until this time playing for this episode uh red levels indicate more than one exit and yellow levels indicate only one exit
1: i feel like i knew that at one point but totally forgot so i appreciate the reminder i i
0: had no i might have even gone that backwards but either way the red and the yellow uh, in, indicate different things uh, which is amazing but yeah I think I think taking that that idea of the world map and then like hinting that there are other things that are possible I, is so fucking cool um, yeah the, the one that always gets me is uh I think I think it's the second castle that you make it through right before you go into the dome right when you're going into the dome there's like an island that springs up I was just thinking that yeah from the water and it doesn't have like a dot on it or anything that indicates that like there actually is a level there. But just the idea that an island springs up from the water indicates that there is something to be found that will lead there. And if you go back through the levels, you might end up finding it. So cool. I mean, that that just happens over and over and over again. That's the, that's the instance that always sticks out to me.
1: Yeah, I, I love the way the world kind of naturally develops as you go through. Like it, it feels yeah. really alive. Like I do miss the use of items from three. Mm-hmm. But I think like to me, this is the best way a game like again, I keep thinking of Elden Ring and sort of like the moments where you just see something or, or Breath of the Wild, even where you see something in the distance, you're like, I want to eventually get there. Like, yeah. I know there's something that has to be here. And games that have the confidence is to show you, like, here's an island you can't get to yet, but we know you're going to be obsessed with this. That shows a lot of confidence, yeah. Um, and it really pays off because, again, like the reason my sister and I always played this game and went back to this one in particular were all those secrets. You know, finding the top secret area. Like our our neighbor Catherine was like, "Guess what I know?" And like, <laughs> you know, I, this is the era where where kids lie too. Like they'll be like, you know, oh, oh if you hold this, like the Mew Pokemon rumors. Under the like, truck yeah but that made it so much more special when when a good-hearted neighbor like Catherine actually knew what she was talking about and <laughs> unlocked the top secret area I, and it's kind of what i keep going back to is like even before these games kind of had i mean this has multiplayer and that like you can switch off but like there was like inherently a social element to this there was yeah. a sort of like a sharing of experience and a sharing of knowledge that that does feel weirdly akin to what we now see in like the FromSoft stuff But that Mm -hmm. to me is just like the magic of what we now consider like retro design, like giving just enough of a hands off approach that like there's curiosity, Um, you know, and maybe some of it is esoteric. But like, I think striking that balance perfectly just makes it feel so much more magical when you actually discover it for yourself. Like the whole star world is incredible. And like. Even just finding out like what Yoshi can do. Like when you swallow certain Koopas, they get like little wings and fly or like breathing out fire. Yeah. What I, what I noticed playing this game, like it's interesting to think about games we talk about on this show that are like tied to various eras of my childhood. Like FF7 and Ocarina of Time are games that like I have a distinct memory playing, but I also like appreciate them more as an adult and I can like have a new relationship with them as an adult because they're very mature stories. Super Mario World, this takes me right back. Like, I just am that kid again. Mm. And there are so many moments where I remember what I thought as a child, and I'm now like, why did you think that? Like There are so many visuals in Super Mario World that I, for some reason, didn't fully understand. So, like, that lava level, where those creatures in the lava, their eyes will pop up above the lava and look both ways, and then they'll strike. I read that as, like, a fish's head, like choking for air and then getting dragged down and eaten and then the monster coming out (laughs) which is so much more morbid yeah Um, same with like the koopas like the koopas that have the the superman capes when you jump on them they're like in their like you know underwear and t-shirt and they're like embarrassed yeah but i because they're like huddled over i thought they were like weird ants So, like, I just, there's just like a visual misunderstanding of a child that still informs how I see this game that I have fun. Like, the fact that those memories are so strong, I remember like what I thought something looked like when I was four, I think actually speaks to the power of this game's design and just like the moments playing it are so joyful and memorable that like it does take us back in that way.
0: I, I would argue that the best moment in any Mario game is uh, that first level where you get the cape for the first time and you go down the pipe and it te- and it teaches you how to use the cape and you just get to run up the side of a pipe and then launch yourself into this huge chasm that's just filled with coins and just learn how to fly as you pick up as many coins as possible and you get like three or four lives in the process if you just like keep running back and forth. I think that that might be the best moment in a mario game
1: swooping down and like the impact of like the bounce when he uses the cape as like a parachute
0: yeah the whole screen shaking and stuff when you land on the ground you can use it like to defeat enemies also if you hit the ground hard enough
1: there's just so there's so many moving parts of this game and i love the enemy design i think this game has one of the most creative and fun approaches like the football players and Mm -hmm. like uh, i just I I think, I mean, again, like I'm not trying to put the other games, it's not a contest. I don't want to put down three of the other ones, but it just, this game to me, like if three is the series finding its voice, this game is just like completely taking off with it. Like it's really just like, having fun with the foundation that's been set by the rest
0: yeah that's the thing i don't even think it's like a putting down the other ones it's like super mario world doesn't exist without the foundational elements of the other three right there they're, i mean the other four i would say even lost yeah. levels included um all, all of that stuff made super mario world possible and what a, what a special game it is and you're totally right i mean it, it completely holds up it fucking rules every every Second of it is like packed with weird secrets, uh, and I can't even imagine what it was like to play it when it came out. And I kind of, it kind of bums me out that I didn't get to. You know, there's there's a little piece of me that's like, you know, I had my one experience in Puerto Rico for three days, but I I, I kind of wish that I had the like schoolyard conversations and stuff, uh, trying to figure this game out with people. <laughs> it was fun. I mean,
1: it's kind of funny. You know, when you're a kid, you just sort of like implicitly accept reality. And I feel like uh, there was a part of me that maybe didn't even realize how special this game was because it was so early in my childhood. I'm like, oh, like all games were like this, right? (laughs) Then like, you know, two years go go by and you're like, oh my God. I mean, the only place to go after Super Mario World was a new dimension, which is what we got with Super Mario 64. (laughs) You know, so like I think in all ways, Super Mario World is a perfection of 2D Mario. Yeah. Which is is I mean, and that's following a game that most people consider a masterpiece. Uh, and I mean, Nintendo's just I mean, there's there's really no one better at following hits because mm. I think they they either double down and and like refine it to perfection or they take a wild new swing. Yeah. So I think you know we see that in games like Mario Two and Sunshine, Yoshi's Island. You know, and those all pay off. I think Yoshi's Island is actually a great example of like a really weird idea also really working Mm -hmm. (laughs) um because that game i think is like in some ways a return to form where it is more level based it doesn't have the like you know uh creative relationship between player and world map that three and super mario world do but it's all about mystery in the levels and it's all about like caring for another character Mm -hmm. uh in essence a strand game Like I said earlier, (laughs) and we've arrived at my final thesis. But yeah, I mean, I just think that, like, what Nintendo is known for and the risks they take with their first party series, I think you can kind of see it in this history of Mario.
0: Yeah. Interestingly, uh, this game took a long time to develop specifically because when they started working on it, it was too much like super Mario brothers three at first, even, even uh, there's a lot of media online that you can find. That's like early prototyped versions of this game. Like you can see in action what the original version of super Mario world looked like. And it is so reminiscent of super Mario brothers three down to like the playing cards representing the levels and stuff like it really just looks like almost the same game again and when screenshots and stuff started making their way into the press uh because at this point we're past just like nintendo power being you know the mouthpiece for nintendo but there are like other video game magazines and outlets that exist and like you know even kind of larger scale newspapers and stuff are covering video games because they're making so much money and are such a big deal at this point that people are interested in what the next mario game is going to be at that point super mario brothers 4 is what it was known as um and when screenshots started coming out of what that game looked like everyone was like oh it's just mario 3 again like it it looks almost exactly the same so they really like went back to the drawing board and uh literally redrew everything from the ground up uh, which i think was a smart move i will say i think super mario brothers 3 is the cutest and for me the most visually striking of all of the games. And and that is true of both the NES version and the All-Stars version. I think that I think that the art that they landed on in Mario Brothers 3 is like perfect to me. I like the Super Mario World stuff, don't get me wrong. I think it, I think it's great and it looks really good, but there's something really charming about 3 for me going back Uh, So so I understand their impulse is what I mean, to to bring that forward into Mario World. And it's kind of a bummer that like, you know, pre-internet backlash caused them to to second guess themselves. (laughs) But what they landed on is still iconic. You know? Yeah. Have you ever seen Long Yoshi? The original Yoshi design? (laughs) No, I haven't. No? Can I send it to you? Please do. I'm going to send it to you right now. Here you go. Oh, man.
1: This looks like um, a Pokemon Red Sprite. <laughs> you know, like one of those sprites for like I don't want to catch this. Yeah, this looks like if Trico was made into a bad Pokemon Red sprite. <laughs> <laughs> I kind of like them actually. I, I I wish Yoshi's Island had this Yoshi.
0: Yeah, if you if you scroll down uh, in this article, you can see Mario riding the Long Yoshi, and it's tall Mario riding Long Yoshi, and it's really fucked up. Yeah. It's kind of more velociraptory, you know? It is,
1: and it has sort of like a pelican's lower jaw, like when it swallows something. Oh, what I noticed this time around, too, is that the sound Yoshi makes when they spit out an enemy is exactly the same as when Birdo shoots an egg. It's the same, like, bong. Oh. <laughs> Which I thought was a fun detail. Wow. And a weird connective tissue between the games. That's such an iconic noise of this era for me. Yeah. Bow. Yeah. Or <laughs> bang. <laughs> the, the spring. And the bomb, Oh, speaking of that, some things I remember too, like thinking about childhood memories while playing it. I remember when I was really young and playing Super Mario World, you know, people would say, oh, I died when I lost. Mm-hmm. But I think my parents wanted to like not have the game be about death. <laughs> so instead of saying I died, we would go, oh, I got stung by a bee. <laughs> <laughs> because <laughs> i'm like what i was i kept asking like what happens to mario when he like turns red and falls off they're like oh he just like got stung that's awesome so, and then also uh in super mario one in the underground levels that my mom would always go someone's gonna get you in that <laughs> level and that's also like seared into my brain oh i love that yeah so it's it's it, it like I don't remember that stuff until I'm
0: playing and I'm like, oh, someone's going to get me. I just (laughs) got stung. It's all back. Um, Yeah. I'll just, uh, one final note from me on Super Mario World. Uh, I just love the final fight against Bowser. uh, Oh, yeah. Where he throws out the like little like mechanical koopas and you need to jump on them but not too many times and then you throw them into the air you have to like launch yourself and also hit him uh it's tough it's a tough fight
2: yeah
1: but really cool i i think also this is where bosses actually become fun because i think mario has always been like bosses almost seem antithetical to the series in some ways yeah like yeah why yeah. Um, but in this game, like having to jump repeatedly on like a rotating platform to get them to fall into lava. Yeah. Uh, like there's some really fun concepts. I think they treat the bosses like levels mm-hmm. and that's why they're much more enjoyable than, than in previous games. Yeah. You know, but nothing's as great as Spewart from Mario Odyssey, but you know, hard to beat spewer <laughs> The rabbit that just throws up paint. Yeah.
0: I will also say that, uh, Super Mario World came out around or like really during the actual like console war between nintendo and sega yeah um and i I didn't realize that they did this but sega while they were promoting the genesis did is the second time that mall tours are showing up just to give you an idea of the time period but uh, sega did a mall tour through the usa promoting the sega genesis specifically by Having a Sega Genesis set up with Sonic the Hedgehog next to Super Mario World playing on a Super Nintendo, and they would ask you to play both of them and say which one you liked better. And of course, because Sega was the one saying what the results were, they said that everybody preferred Sonic. But the idea was that Mario is like this old stodgy video game franchise, and here's like Sonic the Hedgehog, who is newer and cooler and you guessed it even faster um, <laughs> yeah. which i think is so funny to just to pair sonic the hedgehog like the first sonic the hedgehog against super mario world and be like which of these two games is better it's yeah. like in retrospect a hilarious question to ask
1: yeah i honestly feel like that like the dedicated marketing campaign of the console wars has done lasting damage to I totally <laughs> to agree. gaming discourse yeah like you can see the echoes of that exact maltor in twitter replies yes um yeah it's what twitter is based uh, on it's it's built on the
0: (laughs) skulls of those who died during the console wars twitter
1: is a revenant of the the (laughs) the sega marketing campaign you
0: know what's funny though that year both consoles did fucking killer numbers like there wasn't it, it wasn't like one one and one loss they both just won because they're both spectacular
1: yeah, I mean, Sega Genesis and Super Nintendo, you could actually make a case. I mean, I would. I, I don't know Sega Genesis as well, so I would lean towards Super Nintendo, but like that was the peak of both
0: eras. Yeah. It had a shitload more games than the Super Nintendo did, and also was like, I think, almost a full $100 cheaper. Yeah. Which was huge, obviously. Yeah. I'm
1: very excited to, to learn more about Sega when we do our Dreamcast prep. Yeah, me too. That's when things change in the console wars. Yeah. <laughs> uh, some say it's the red wedding of, of Sega history. <laughs> um, but, uh, yeah, Super Mario World, incredible. I mean, I think, uh, this segment was always going to be short and sweet cause it's, it's hard really to say anything new about such a classic, but yeah. it was great returning to it. And this is also like, I think I kind of now have an idea of like which ones I want to revisit and for what reasons. Mm. And I think Super Mario World would be something I just kind of fall back on more often now.
0: Yeah. I, I think Weirdly enough, my experience, just looking back at all of these now, I I think my experience with them, the the one that I'm going to start to pick apart like a puzzle box forever is going to be three still. Like three is the one that fascinates me the most of all of them. Like world I at this point in my life, I've played and like pretty much a hundred percented world. Like I've seen everything there is to do there and I I didn't remember all of it and I still don't remember all of it. But like I've played through that game with a guide in the past to like unlock everything. I've seen what there is to do in Mario world. Mario three. I haven't really done that with still even even after doing this episode. There's like still stuff that I don't fully know. But uh, the one that will always have the, the, the place in my heart is Lost Levels. I mean, that, that game just I, I feel like is formative for me in ways I don't even fully understand. Yeah, still. I,
1: I, I had this thought and I didn't know how to share it without it sounding like a weird insult to both of us. But I do think like <laughs> our essence is weirdly found in the two Mario twos. Like, I think like you and me and like what we like in games and and what we sort of uh, create artistically is mm. like mirrored in both of those weird sequels. Uh But that is maybe because I'm playing a lot of Monster Train lately and there's a whole mechanic (laughs) of like sacrificing cards to get their essence. Mm -hmm. So I'm like, is my essence Mario 2? (laughs) I don't know. But I just had that thought. I just like saw a bit of our souls in both games. Yeah, it might be. Yeah, it might be true. Anyway, why don't we end here and move on to questions before we fully evaporate? That sounds great. Sounds good. I'll see you there. I'll pick up a bubble and walk into an eagle's mouth. Bye-bye. I'll do it. I'll give it my best shot, said Toad. Wow. Brendan.
0: Hey, we have some questions about Mario from the listeners. Oh, nice. Are you ready? I'm so excited to answer Mario related questions. That sounded that sounded uh, like I I didn't care. I I care. (laughs) I care deeply about Mario. Let it be known.
1: Also, just just fun fact: we're recording this a, a couple of days after we recorded the rest of the episode. So, if you're like, "Man, what was the B twelve shot in the interim?" Yeah. <laughs> uh, several days of rest is the yeah. answer.
0: Before we even answer a question, I, I I'll just say, in retrospect, I feel like uh, everything that you just heard, dear listener, one of our more wholesome episodes. You know, I haven't heard the edit, obviously, but even just walking away from that recording, even though I was very sleepy, I just walked away thinking, like, "Wow, my heart is full." We just talked about. How how uh, much we love Mario for like hours.
1: Yeah, I, I think in some ways it's sort of like, uh, I mean, it's the intention of the show, right? We do yeah. this to celebrate games. I feel and like to... it might
0: be the most pure distillation of the intention of the show, though, you know?
1: Yeah, I think you're right. I think inherently like talking about games that are so foundational, I think kind of brings that out of yeah. the show and of us.
0: Because you can't have a cool, fun take on uh, the jump feels good. So you got to talk about <laughs> something else. And I guess in our case, it's you just like... You got to talk about
1: your parents.
0: Yeah, instead. exactly. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, questions. Matt in
1: Discord. Super Mario All-Stars plus Super Mario World was, as far as I remember, the first video game that I owned and the first one I spent a ton of time playing. Very representative of what we just said. The 64 was out, but we couldn't afford it, and I was extremely happy with Super Nintendo. Good taste. Yeah. Years later, I'd finally finished World on Game Boy Advance. My question is, was Mario any kind of introduction to games for you? And if not, what was that game? Mm. I mean, for me, yes. I, I mentioned uh, at the beginning, like, the handful of nes games we had so it could have been beetlejuice uh but likely it was super mario brothers and super mario world as i mentioned before like was sort of my first clear memory of enjoying a game so Mm. i think i think there's a good chance it was my introduction to video games as a whole
0: yeah for me as i mentioned it was uh sonic the hedgehog i think on the sega genesis but uh yeah I i feel like getting getting mario Brothers Deluxe on the Game Boy Color was a really like big moment for me because that that was such I just remember that being the first time that I thought to myself I'm going to finish this video game you know and then doing it and, and yeah. the like rush of that, because at that point, even thinking back to the other games that I had on the Sega Genesis, like I wasn't finishing any of that stuff. Like I, I, to this day, I don't even know if I've seen past like the third world of Sonic, the Hedgehog.
1: <laughs> That's kind of my, my revelation of a lot of these Mario games. Like, I just played the first world over and over again. Yeah. <laughs> I've never seen like the nighttime world. What is this? <laughs> Next question. Yeah. Devin Pulaski on Twitter. As much as I love Soyo Oka and her arrangements on all stars, I can't help but feel like the NES soundtracks are superior in terms of charm and style. How do you feel about All Star soundtrack versus the originals? You got into this a little bit with your preference of like the production of Mario Three. Yeah, you liking it more on the NES and the Game Boy than on All Stars. But what do you, I don't have enough familiarity with the original scores to have a strong preference. I think in this case, it's sort of like whatever you grew up with is my answer. I I think they're both great. So I think it's sort of like whatever you have a stronger association with. But I have heard the Mario 2 beginning in the NES style. And that is really catchy with like the crunchiness of the NES. So I Mm -hmm. do understand where this person is coming from.
0: Yeah, yeah. Look, uh, Koji Kondo, who did the the music for... Pretty much all of these formative Mario games, uh, like brilliant composer, brilliant songwriter, um, and the stuff that he brought to Super Mario World in particular, I think was really formative, and that's where, uh, at least as far as I know from the development history of All Stars, uh, Soyo Oka came in and was tasked with like taking the previous Koji Kondo works from Mario's one, two, and three, and then adapting them into more of a Super Mario World style, and I think. Like that process went spectacularly. Oh, yeah. Uh, I I, I love I love the arrangements that are in all stars and I love the arrangements that are in the originals. And I know that's kind of a cop out answer, but like they're both available and you can play all of them and hear all of them on the switch right now. And that's like miraculous. But I like I like the all stars arrangements of of, uh, two in particular.
1: Yeah, I, I think, I mean, they're, they're representative of each system, right? Like I think enough time has passed that like, it doesn't feel as much as a remake as like, this is Super Nintendo. You know, this yeah. is, this is this era of music and this is that era of music. Totally. So they're, they're both great. I know it's an easy answer, but that's the truth. Yeah. Tara's in discord. Are there any other game series you'd like to have an all stars treatment? Oh, Yeah, I love this question. Meaning being remade as an anthology in the same engine. Not what happened with 3D Mario, but still. Great question. So the idea is you'll take a series and and remake it all in the same engine. I would love... The first answer that comes to mind for me is all the 2D Zeldas. You know, I would love some type of collection of like Zelda 1, Zelda 2, the Oracle games, like all of that in one place. I think Mm. that's...
0: I could also see that happening one day. Would you want them to all look the same? Kind of like kind of like mario all-stars like would you want them to adapt them all into the similar art style like that
1: no i i think the distinction is important honestly like I, i'm not as interested in kind of giving it a uniform style i'm not against them maybe remaking some of them in the link in the Link's awakening style that could be fun yeah um but i think in terms of just like having i think the anthology is the more appealing part for me and just having like the top-down zeldas in one place sounds like a no-brainer
0: hmm yeah i I mentioned this earlier in the episode but uh i I really want this for the new super mario brothers games um yeah i I think that they deserve kind of like a a critical evaluation in a lot of ways and like a like a public consciousness pop culture reevaluation in a lot of ways because i mean they are as we brought up in the ds episode and the 3ds episode but like the new super mario brothers games are frequently the highest grossing and 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 best-selling games on those consoles um and the same was true of the wii u as well and the wii they're like wildly popular and I feel like the the current going vibe on the new Super Mario Brothers games are like, uh, yeah, they're kind of going back to the well, aren't they? It's like, no, it was like a huge deal every time a new Super Mario Brothers game came out. And uh, I, w- I would love like a big collection. And also... They all kind of look similar enough already that I feel like it wouldn't be too hard if you wanted to match the art style and stuff, you know, in the same engine, you know, across all of those games. I think that'd be really fun. Specifically playing New Super Mario Brothers, the original from the Nintendo DS, like on the big screen, I think would be exhilarating. Oh, yeah.
1: The other series that comes to mind that we kind of already got a version of this, but I I still think there's room for improvement is Final Fantasy. I think the pixel remasters like are this, but just with like very bizarre pricing and release. And I feel like there was, an opportunity to maybe have like a ff all-stars treatment where they do all get this glow up and they all have a similar enough style already that giving them the consistency in terms of what's being improved is really cool but just the price is too much yeah. As, as a big fan of that series, like it's just it's hard to justify, you know, I I don't want to undermine the work that went into them because the reorchestrations and and the and the remaster part of it is all excellent. Yeah, but it's it's more like I think more people are are likely to get one or two mm-hmm. than the whole package. And I think that's something where the whole package like should have been the focus, you know, getting one through six could have been like a really cool event.
0: Yeah, I think so too. Yeah, I, I'm curious that this still hasn't dropped on Switch, but I think the the full bundle is coming out on Switch soon. And I, I if I recall correctly, the full bundle on Steam was like a hundred dollars or something. Yeah, <laughs> which like you know, if you look at the individual
1: pricing, like is you do save money, but it's a little bit like it's a tough pill to swallow. Definitely. Yeah. Why is this a hundred dollars?
0: We didn't even talk about this, but I, I learned in the prep for this episode that Super Mario All Stars was was 90, also a hundred dollars. Was, was yeah. ninety dollars when it came out uh, on the Super Nintendo, which. Uh, adjusted for inflation is like a hundred and fifty dollars now
1: yes i mean similar, <laughs> similar so maybe maybe that just is they're doing exactly the same thing and yeah. we just don't realize because of inflation
0: maybe uh the big thing about super mario all-stars though is that they bundled it with the super nintendo in a lot of cases and yeah they also did a deal where if you bought it from certain retailers you could uh you could just like i, I think you had to mail them like proof of purchase or something and then nintendo would mail you a copy of super mario all-stars we also just got
1: a All-Stars treatment for Sonic. I think it's called Sonic Origins. Yeah. And it's like all the classic games with some additional stuff that like you can play as Amy and a few other characters. Um, yeah. I don't understand why people are so angry about it. I mean, I, I don't know. I, I I know so little about Sonic, but I feel like whenever there's a new Sonic game, there's anger at some point <laughs> yeah, for true. some reason. But all yeah. uh, I just say, like either that or Sonic Mania, I think I'll eventually check out to get like a stronger idea of that of that series history because I've only really played uh, Sonic Adventure 2 Battle on Mm -hmm. the GameCube, and that's like my only real reference for Sonic. Yeah. So, one day. (laughs) Moving on, Eric and Discord. Do you think you'd be able to beat the NES games without saving or save states? Not in a how good of a gamer are you, was just in a would you bother leaving the console on all night and when you go to school away. Mm. Um, that's a great question and i think that's, that's also question. like representative of the era these games came out in where like did you beat it was a question i think we so rarely finish games now because they're often so long and like yeah. built to be endless in a lot of cases that like The idea of beating a game isn't really the goal as much. But I I think there was kind of an era where like that was sort of the brag. You would show up at school and be like, yeah, I stayed up all night beating it. And it's still kind of the fun. I mean, when you return to these games, there is this feeling of like, like you had with Lost Levels, I'm just going to do it, you know? Yeah. I think like I would have to feel especially inspired to do that now i did use save states for a lot of these and that didn't really impact my enjoyment of them but i do think like you know if the main event is these games i think there is still a special place for doing just this like mm-hmm. devoting yourself to beating it the
0: old-fashioned way yeah, I don't think that I would be able to do it if I were to guess. Um, <laughs> I'm thinking like the easiest one to do that with would probably be the original Super Mario Brothers and yeah. that game gets so hard in World 8 that I just don't think I'd be able to do it.
1: Yeah, I think I could probably do it in the All-Stars version where you just have to restart the world. Yeah. But the idea of like doing the game like perfectly from the beginning, there's a reason why the warp pipes are there because very few right. people did that. So
0: yeah, yeah. Yeah, if I could use the warp pipes, like maybe, you yeah. know, but yeah. it, it would be like a from FromSoftian experience.
1: Absolutely. I totally agree. <laughs> uh, moving on to the next question, Ethan and Discord, since you all have done both the 3D All-Stars and 2D All-Stars, would love any thoughts comparing those two paths of Mario. Anything you think works better in 2D than 3D?
0: I think like right off the bat, the thing for me is that the 3D stuff uh, pulling pulling from everything we've said about the 2D stuff. I mean, the the 3D games really just lean even harder into the idea of like secrets and creativity and allowing player agency to kind of take the lead over whatever the intended goal is of each like level or stage or whatever. You you already brought up on the episode to the idea of like 64 and Sunshine and Galaxy having these like discrete objectives in each level. So like you go into a level and then you choose what objective you want. I think all of that stuff really stems from the things that the 2D games did really well. Uh, So I honestly, I don't know if there's an answer for me really in terms of like which one is better. I I think the success of the 3D games doesn't exist without the success of the 2D games in that way.
1: Yeah, I also think it's not quite as clear of a distinction. Like, with Zelda, I think there's a very, like, there are concrete differences between a top-down Zelda and a 3D Zelda. Yeah. Um, Even games like Minish Cap that actually incorporate a little bit of both. Like, Minish Cap still plays more... Like a Link to the Past style Zelda than an Ocarina Zelda. Mm-hmm. Um, with Mario, I think that they're like I would actually lump together like Mario 3 with Galaxy and 3D worlds. And I would lump like Mario 2 with 64 and Sunshine. Mm. In in what because again, like I think the two paths of Mario to me are less 3D and 2D and more like, is this focused on like a gauntlet of platforming? Or is this more of a, like, open, flow-in-any-direction exploration game? Yeah. I think, in general, the 3D games do that better. Like you said, I think 64 and Odyssey, especially, are really about existing in a place over the platforming, even. Mm-hmm. Even though there's excellent platforming, too, it's 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 part of the world, not the world itself. Yeah. Whereas something like 3D World is like a guts obstacle course in the same way it is in Mario 3. So yeah. I think... I think they both do both styles really well. Like you said, I would give an edge to the 3D Mario for doing the exploration stuff though. Yeah. Just by nature of it being 3D.
0: I think at the end of the day, if one of them was definitively better than the other, like if moving to 3D made Mario definitively better than everything that's happened in 2D, they wouldn't be making the new Super Mario Brothers games.
1: You yeah. Know? And I mean you you can feel like the jump from Super Mario Worlds to Mario 64 is so impressive. But 64 isn't as tight as Mario World. They really did perfect that style of platforming and then they're taking on something new and kind of embracing that it's not going to be perfect. Like, Super Mario 64 gets it really shockingly right from the very beginning. Yeah. But you can feel, like, going from Galaxy to 64, you can feel a difference mm-hmm. in terms of just, like, responsiveness and how stiff it feels. The camera, I think, is the big thing there. That, like... Yeah. I think the camera needed a decade to figure itself out. Because, like, every... <laughs> ps1 and 64 game the camera is at the constant obstacle yeah so that, that would be my answer to that question but it's, it's a good one to ask yeah there's a follow-up from ethan what's your favorite mario power-up and then actually the next question from andy and discord is what mario power-up do you think encompasses your vibe like <laughs> the tanuki suit fire flower default mushroom etc so I like these two questions together. What's your favorite power up and what power up is
0: the most you? I'll take favorite power up immediately because I every opportunity get the fire flower. uh, I always prefer the fire flower over everything else at all times because the having a projectile in Mario is so hard to beat. You know, even things like the cape and the tanuki suit and stuff that allow you to like spin and take out enemies. You need to get up close and personal with those enemies and it's so easy to mess that up versus the fire flower almost feels like uh, like an easy mode in in some ways. You know, yeah. even just like taking it into boss fights and stuff and being able to just like wail on whale on Bowser or something with a fire flower is unbeatable.
1: Yeah, it changes the playstyle immediately. Right. Yeah. I mean, it, it gives you a new action. My favorite has to be the cat suit. Honestly, I just think that that was like it's later additions. It's not in all stars, but like I think 3D world is like less fun when you're not a cat. It just feels like it feels like every level was created with a cat in mind because climbing up the walls and stuff is just so fun. So that's my favorite. In terms of matching my vibe, uh, <laughs> there's something about Metal Mario that I just think is sort of like uh, strange, but like mundane that I think yeah. kind of matches my spirit a little bit. So I think the specifically in 64, just like hearing him clunk around. I'm, very, <laughs> I'm a loud person. I think Metal Mario fits my energy.
0: Considering my name, I feel like the vibe one. I got, I got to pick B Mario. <laughs> oh
1: no! Bzzz. B Mario is a B yeah, BB yeah. I like that for you. I do think you have a, a, a cape energy as well, wow. or a Tanuki, because you're a very curious person, very ambitious, and I feel like you will want to go to the place in a level that is beyond what we're seeing.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, and I so. also turn to stone when I get nervous. <laughs> <laughs>
1: But I like the modesty with the B, Mario. Um, I went (laughs) to space and all I got was the ability to become a B. Okay. Silver-handed in Discord. Oh, I'm excited to hear your answer to this. How do you feel about the settings or lore that all the different Mario games have? These earlier games set up each game having varied kingdoms, lands, rulers, and enemies that I found really interesting as a child and still do. Do you have a favorite setting from any of the All-Stars games?
0: It's fascinating that we just hang out in the Mushroom Kingdom at all times, and that's kind of like the default now, you know? Like, even, even the Mario movie is just like totally not acknowledging the fact that there are like in canon other other kingdoms and stuff or New Dunk City with the real people or New yeah. Dunk City yeah I, I don't know i just there's a lot of focus obviously because there're more narrative games on the Zelda timeline and Hyrule historia and things like that and i'm so much more fascinated in the Mario timeline <laughs> like i think i think it's fascinating like in Mario 2 at least I forget if this is in the original or if it's in just the All-Stars version, but Mario 2 is canonically a dream that Mario had. So <laughs> you you wonder if that place is real or if any of those things are real, but then Birdo is showing up in other places. So like, who I've knows? I've seen you before. Yeah. You are the one from my dreams. <laughs> you are the one from my dreams. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Um, yeah, I don't. I don't know. And then, and then the Mario Land games are in a totally different place as well. If if you if you want to include those, but I I feel like there is this lineage of Mario canon. Like it, to take a really s- stupid thing to say and and make it as serious as possible. But it feels like there is this lineage of like, as we mentioned, there's like a Chronicles of Narnia situation where Mario has like fallen into the Mushroom Kingdom and Yoshi's Island, etc. Uh, as a baby and then is you know leaves but he's like some kind of chosen one clearly he and luigi in some way (laughs) they become some kind of like chosen people so they end up returning later in super mario brothers my going theory is that what happens next is by the time they finish the super mario brothers situation mario 2 happens a dream whatever mario 3 seems like like actors retelling what happened in super mario brothers interesting you know what i mean so
1: it's it's like he's become the myth and this yeah. state,
0: a performance of it right because it, there's the stage thing like mario is leaving st- i guess stage left you know <laughs> at the end of every level um it just it it feels like it feels like you know that mario is an actor on stage playing mario and is not actually mario
1: i love that reading of it i was gonna say in terms of his favorite settings i think mario 3 definitely has the most like varied locations yeah. um something about the giant land is just really cool it's so and i mean cool. there's fundamentally a a shrinking and and growing of mario and mm-hmm. applying that to the entire world is really really interesting yeah so i i think i think uh the giant world in mario 3 um i just i mean in terms of like overall mario lore i really love the way that mario rpgs interpret all of this like paper mario and mario yeah. and luigi i think have a really fun approach at like kind of writing like a a fantasy comedy within mm-hmm. this world which is so fun yeah to have like a terry pratchett approach at mario yeah like they're just there's
0: poking fun at like the idea of canon or lore or the idea that mario is famous and luigi is, should be famous but isn't etc. yeah i mean it's the so running good.
1: gag like in any any mario rpg whenever a character's like do the thing and you jump and they're like blown away it's, yeah. it
0: gets me every time yeah me too uh, um, or or everyone just calls luigi that green guy
1: Yeah, (laughs) and he's in the interim saving people from ghosts give him more credit
0: (laughs) to extrapolate it all out even further i think my my feeling on all of this is that mario new super mario brothers 2 for nintendo 3ds is maybe the most important game in the entire canon because that's where mario gets enough money to start to frivolously spend it on things like starting a go-karting uh league (laughs) and going golfing etc yeah, he becomes the one percent. He becomes the one percent.
1: Is there a follow-up to that? Is there like a Ragnarok event that that distributes the wealth more evenly amongst the Goombas?
0: Oh man. Coombas? Really interesting question. I have no idea. Do you think it's all cyclical? Do you think there's a do you, <laughs> do you think it's like the Zelda timeline where there's like if Mario wins or if Mario loses? There there are uh like there are theories out there also that uh, Wario is Mario. <laughs> uh, which I really love is like like Mario gets so much money and hoards his wealth that he turns into Wario.
1: Mario Kart Nine is gonna end like you finish the race, and then it zooms out to showing the world as like a mirage and a flame. And Kamek blows out a candle and goes, "That's how it could have
0: went." And <laughs> <laughs> they start over. Um, or like like a like a live action shot of Miyamoto like in the '80s coding a video yeah, game. Yeah, that he just hits delete. I'm gonna get into fishing.
1: I think. Yeah. <laughs> Then all of a sudden this episode is renamed like Sega Fishing, uh, whatever that Dreamcast <laughs> yeah, Fishing game is. Yeah, Bass Pro Fishing. Yeah, Bass Pro yeah. Fishing. Bass All-Stars. <laughs> okay, moving on. Uh, Rufus and Discord. I know this bonus is specifically about Mario's 1 through 3 and World, but what's your history with other 2D Marios and where the series has gone post these very impressive first entries? Thinking also of spinoffs like Yoshi's Island and Wario Land, is there a vibe you prefer, as in a style of 2D Mario-like, that
0: you gravitate towards? Mm. Uh, you're a big Yoshi's Island fan.
1: Yeah, I love Yoshi's Island. And while I've enjoyed this sort of Yoshi spin-off of games, I think that there's something about Yoshi's Island that hasn't really been matched by any of them. Even the more direct sequel on DS came close, but I think it ultimately, like... Got too focused on the babies and like what they do, which is kind of weird. Yoshi's Island, I just think kind of, again, it sort of encompasses what I think Mario 2 does well in spirit of just having this like very strange kind of one-off where it's more about mystery and exploration and sort of the vibe of the setting than the platforming. But there's still some really cool mechanics going on. I mean, the way Yoshi jumps is sort of like the floatiness to spinning the legs Mm -hmm. and the idea, too, that you're protecting someone and your health, this goes back to, like, we just talked about Resident Evil 4 and the idea of an escort quest. I do think, well, there's not, like, a huge emotional bond between Baby Mario and Yoshi. I do think there's something special about, like, protecting someone as the central mechanic of the game. Yeah. Um, I joke that it's a Strand game, but I actually don't think that's a joke the more I think about it. I do think that there's <laughs> something really unique and special about Yoshi's Island, and I don't really know what the answer is to, like, follow up on it with but i'm glad we got it and it exists in its current form Mm. uh so so i think like i guess i'm maybe like i I like both you know pillars of mario the platforming and the mystery but i'm i'm curious if we're ever gonna get more games that kind of go down the mystery path because we're getting i mean we just got pizza tower which is very much like a wario revival Mm -hmm. and i just wonder if we're ever gonna get like a yoshi's island continuation from an indie developer
0: yeah that would be very interesting. I yeah, I, I'd be I'd be curious about that. I'm I'm curious also in general, just like if Nintendo will take a really big chance like that again, you know, because yeah. the idea of Yoshi's Island coming out and being called like a, a continuation of Mario, you know, Super Mario World Two, I think that's pretty wild. That that's like kind of an unheard of thing for companies to do i think in most cases uh yeah. and, and i think as much as i love going to bat for the new super mario brothers games they do feel safe to a certain yeah. extent in in their existence but you also have to take a step back and say is it actually safe for them to say we're making the new super mario brothers and like <laughs> you know stake it all on the idea that that they can continue that legacy and like make good on how good these games that we're talking about are you know yeah. Um, so that's one of the reasons I think that those games are so impressive is because by being semi unremarkable in some cases, that actually means they've like accomplished the impossible. Yeah. Uh, so I, I think that's kind of my answer here is uh, I, I, I just think, you know, the the more Nintendo tries to make Mario, the, the more interesting it becomes. And then you, you know, get even further into like Mario Maker and letting anyone do it. And that's where it gets really wild.
1: I wonder, too, if we'll ever see a 3D Yoshi game, because as I've been thinking about, like, you know, Yoshi's Island and then Yoshi's Story and then, like, Woolly World and stuff, like, I think at this point, Yoshi seems to be, like, specifically made for a much younger audience, which is great. Like, I'm glad there's sort of, like, a even more approachable version of Mario for, like, really young kids and families. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, but I just wonder if there's maybe a way to have like a Island style exploration first secrets first adventure where it's actually not even level based, but more open in Mm -hmm. that way. Yeah. I mean, it's just that stranding, but I just, I wonder if you can do it. Last question at Knights Eternal on Twitter. If you could have them make a Super Mario All-Stars 2 with any... Four Mario games. This is what you accidentally predicted earlier. Oh, wow. If you could make it uh, Super Mario all 2 with any four Mario games of your choice, what would they be? Anything with Mario in the title is on the table.
0: Uh Oh, man. I feel like I wish there were more things that would allow us to do like a Mario. I guess there kind of are. You could do Mario teaches typing. You could do <laughs> Mario paint. I, I'm just thinking like, like mario creative expression games you know i think are yeah. really interesting uh yeah that, that'd be really inter- that'd be really fun i guess mario maker you could also hypothetically include in there because it's like kind of teaching game design and level design yeah um, that could
1: be fun mario you're the star yeah is the name of that one
0: uh or i wish there were more mario picross games unfortunately there are not <laughs> because that, that also feels like a no-brainer uh wow
1: wrecking crew mario 2
0: i think i think okay to take a step back on this question yes. one of the things i'm curious about is this concept of taking all of the games and putting them kind of in a similar engine with a similar art style i would be very very interested in your take on this which is that super sorry that mario kart 8 deluxe is super mario kart all-stars oh interesting like already like we are that is what that is already
1: that's a great point i was actually thinking the inverse like if you did mario kart 8 deluxe in the super nintendo style of super mario kart that could also be fun (laughs) That would be wild. Why yeah. not both? But you're right. I mean, Super Mario Kart 8 is like a remake of every Mario Kart, basically. Yeah. They're all in there. It's been in front of us the whole time.
0: Yeah. Uh, I think I think the big lingering thing there is like you're missing out on mechanics, right? Like you're missing yeah. out on the Double Dash stuff, which uh, yeah. I miss dearly.
1: Uh, yeah. I guess the question within the question here is like, are we saying these four games are all, like you said, in the same engine with the same art style and new music? So sort of like a collection of remix or is it just like here's a pack of our four favorite mario experiences right because i would i mean if i if i could just make one that like i could recommend to someone to get all corners of mario it would be like thousand year door mario kart 8 deluxe mario 64 and mario worlds and just have like here's like four dramatically different experiences
0: yeah those those are the true all-stars yeah, wow. right.
1: Uh, and I still have to play more of Thousand Year Door, but I just feel it in my heart that that's the RPG to mm-hmm. play. On that on that note, I think it could be fun to like, uh, you know, we have that like 3DS style of the Mario and Luigi games, but I think maybe having like a consistent style or a preferred style amongst the Mario RPGs could be interesting. Yeah. Yeah, I'm not, I, I, think, I think your observation that Mario Kart 8 is already this is, is the answer in some <laughs> ways.
0: If I if I had to choose though, I think um I would be really interested in like a Mario Golf All Stars scenario. Yeah, yeah. Or honestly,
1: like in a Mario Kart Eight approach, like adding areas to Odyssey that are just levels from older games. Like, I would love to play Odyssey in like the Babam Battlefield of '64. You know, yeah, and being able to possess like the Babams or something.
0: Yeah, um, or that big jump.
1: Yeah, exactly
0: yeah wow or like possibilities are endless sabotage the the koopa in the race by uh possessing him and then dropping him off the side of the mountain
1: i mean like again because we don't really know what odyssey 2 is going to look like but kind of like how marcar 8 deluxe has reimagined older tracks in the 2d games as these like fully realized 3d spaces an odyssey approach at like a mario 3 level would be so wild you know yeah i'm not saying one is better i just think that would be a cool experiment
0: Honestly, though, I, th- I think it. my my major takeaway from this whole conversation, this whole episode is I kind of hope that they don't make an Odyssey 2 now. I, I want something wild, you know, yeah. like do do a Super Mario World to Yoshi's Island level like fake out, yeah. you know, like everyone's expecting Odyssey 2. All right. Hit us with something completely bizarre. I think that's why
1: Bowser's Fury was such a hit because it was that kind of swing, you yeah. know? And I wonder, I mean, if they follow up, if, if Bowser's Fury was the link between worlds to the eventual Breath of the Wild, I just wonder what's next. I'm very excited. Very excited at the, at the possibilities.
0: Do you have uh, any, last, any last words about any uh, last Mario words? All-Stars?
1: I mean, the thing is, like, these games are so important and so foundational. This is not the end of us discussing them. I, I think it's cool to have games like this It's just like pillars of game history and and to still see their influence i mean to to play something like celeste or you know modern platformers that are like Directly continuing this line of thought is really cool. So I'm just very like happy we gave ourselves time to specifically sit down and play these and think about them more than just like yeah they're they're amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's hard to say more than just that because sometimes when something is so good, there's less to say about it. Even it's like yeah, yeah what do I what do I say about the sun? You know, got an angry face. <laughs> yeah, I, I think you're right though. Like I I'm leaving this episode really excited at the untold possibilities and less about what makes sense as a continuation yeah well that's it that's it thank you Mario uh, thank you Birdo thank you Toad thank you Luigi uh, thank you Princess Toadstool I'll uh, even thank Bowser <laughs> you got, there's gotta be a shadow you know yeah. there's gotta be a darkness <laughs> to, to balance things out <laughs> thank you Iggy <laughs> I like how is Super Mario World the introduction of all the Koopa Kids is that their first entrance aren't they in 3 it's, it's three you're right yeah because they're like the weird wiggly guy with the spikes.
0: Yeah uh, which is the one that's not named after anybody is it Lenny I think Lenny is the one that isn't actually named after anybody it was just like yeah he just looked like a Lenny. Yeah
1: <laughs> whenever I play Mario Kart with my family my mom tells me that I remind her of Ludwig and I'm always very insulted. Are you? To be reminiscent of Beethoven himself, steven Come on. The thing is, I'm not like I like that he's got a full head of hair and a mischievous smile that is similar to me in
0: real life. Um, but <laughs> those are the two things I tell people about you whenever, whenever <laughs> people are like, "What's Stephen like in real life?" I, I say, "Well, he's got a full head of hair, full head of hair, and, and his smile's <laughs> a little crooked. He's got bad knees and a, and a loud back."
1: Um, <laughs> Uh, But his voice is like, which is a little too similar to how I laugh. (laughs) So I take it personally. But on that note, thank you, Koopa Kids. And thank you, dear listener, for listening. To like the show and to the cast that online, you know the drill. Uh, Thank you to our patrons for making these bonus episodes possible. Hope you enjoy this one. And I'm very excited for what's on the horizon for our guy, Mario.
0: Yeah, let's uh, go to the Uh, future. (laughs) Let's go to the future.
1: (laughs) (laughs) See ya. Would you buy a game called that?
0: Let's a go to the future. Yeah. Is that's it a the Mario next... game? Yeah. yeah absolutely. <laughs> I would. would you not? <laughs> Sight unseen. I don't need a trailer. <laughs> I don't need anything. If Nintendo, if if Shigeru Miyamoto got on Nintendo Direct and just said, I'm so excited to share this new game with you. It's coming out tomorrow. You can't see it before you buy it. And it's called Let's Go to the Future. My
1: my vision for the box art is like Mario with like Geordi LaForge-esque sunglasses just like looking up into space and like a rainbow shooting out.
0: Hell yeah. Yeah. I'm all about that. Well, the future awaits. Let's get out of here.
2: Bye-bye. Bye-bye.